0: What really gets my dick hard is so fucking what? This is Ray Burton, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast.
1: Welcome to Middle of Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck, and I'm Clint Wells,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Clint Wells. That I'd was mi- almost I, like
2: I thought I'd mix it
1: up. That was almost like a Point Break.
0: Mm. I'm
1: like oh, I'm Johnny Utah. I'm
2: Clint Wells. He's not coming back. Welcome to Vocal Fry.
1: Utah, give me two. Another great movie to review in the future. We'll add, tack the, it on. The, ta- the Gary, uh, Gary Busey, Gary Busey Utah gimme too. Oh, right? yeah. Tack that on the list of movies you have to review. Uh, Hey, uh, here we are. We're back. Episode 91. And again, coincidentally, we're talking about the year 1991. And, uh, this was a great year for Metallica. Well, this, uh, there was a record that came let's out. Let's go ahead.
2: Let's go ahead and just say what it is. This is definitely the year of the black album. It is possibly Metallica's biggest year. And we're going to really get into that. I mean, we have a whole episode on the Black Album. We have a whole episode on Bob Rock, which I believe was the first time our friend Paul Moak joined us. Yeah, we to, have
1: two episodes on A Year and a Half in the Life of Metallica. So
2: we've we've camped out here for a while. We have. A, a, lot, of, a lot of shit's been said already, and you you know we'll refer you guys to those episodes, but... We, we even will, have a revisited on 91. We even have a revisited on the time they played Inter Sandman at the, and the v, VMAs. The VMAs, yeah. We've really done a lot of work in this area. <laughs> so should we well, do something else? that was episode 91. <laughs> Peace, now, adios. W- no, we'll talk a little bit about... I mean, we got to talk about Moscow. We got to talk about... Yeah, a lot of the, stuff. Uh, the kickoff of the Wherever We May Roam tour, which started after the record came out. We got to talk about um, them finishing the record up. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time, we are an All Metallica podcast. Ethan and I are two professional touring musicians who make time once a week. What, how many weeks have we been doing this now? At least seven. At least seven. Yeah, well, that's correct. I know
1: that we're past a year and a half,
2: so... It's September. We, we, I don't we know st- why I invite us to do math so often <laughs> on this fucking show. Math
1: is fun. Uh, well, we started uh, January 1st, uh, 2017. Yeah, and
2: we've hardly missed a week, so we've been going pretty strong. We haven't We're, missed a week.
1: We've, worst case, we miss a day, right? and it's like a day late.
2: Even when Ethan's been on tour in Europe, and I've been all over the uh, North Amer- North American land. The land of of uh, The Northern North. American soil. Uh, we've still found a way to do it, so yeah. we cover everything from band members and records and eras and tours. We talk about their gear and about their producers and... Everything in between, yeah, yeah. All sorts of things. It's been a really fun ride, and it's getting, you know, Ethan and I were texting today, it's been an exciting day, and we'll get to that in a minute, oh, yeah. about why, but, um, you know, with the boys kicking back up on tour, we started our Metal Tales from the Road series, we got another one of those, a couple of those have been out by the yeah. time you're hearing this, and yeah. uh, it's cool, man, I'm having a good time. I'm having a bien time, too. Moi <laughs> Muy bien. Oh, move on. Now, before we talk about 1991, if you've heard this uh, series before, we go through excruciating detail on every year of Metallica's existence since 1981, and uh, th- this is going to be a fun document when it's all said and done. You the 10-year anniversary. You can really hear uh, everything that they did in their entire career. We're going to yeah, talk about it. In case you didn't know already, but we're going to just remind you. Now, if you like the show and you haven't, which is a bit of a mystery to me. But we would ask if you go leave an iTunes review. Yeah. Preferably a positive one. Preferably, yeah. It only takes a second. goes a long way. There's a lot of podcasts out there. A lot of people making really great content. Yeah. Including in our own little small corner of the Metallica world. We've got our friends over at chat We've got our friend Brandon at Metallicast. We've got, got our friend Ryan Downey at Speaking and Destroy. We've got our homie Tom Quee over at Alpha Metallica. There's a lot of sauce out there to put on the Metallica pizza. And we want you to check it all out. Of course. But we want you to check ours out. Foist. Foist. Now, the go leave them all review, too, by the way. Spread yeah. the love. Uh, it is not easy to, to make a show like this. And uh, all those other shows, we are fans of, and they're all friends of ours. Yes. So... Uh, if you really like the show, there's a thing called Patreon. Really? Are you are you a patron of the show yet? I'm thinking about it. It's a way for those of you who want to... <laughs> Give myself money. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who think the show has value beyond just leaving a review, and by the way, uh, we agree with you that it does. It's a really time-consuming show to produce, and uh, right. we're happy to do it for free. We're happy to keep it ad-free. Uh, but there are people who, you know... Ha- think the show is valuable and they want to donate financially and uh you're going to hear a little bit more about that later but at the very least we'd like to give a shout out to the show we got two new patrons two patrons this week here we go paul miller paul 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 Paul. seriously god damn it come out he's still not here
1: somehow weird uh and also we have uh kelly uh sheffet 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 there goes Kit Fox. <laughs> the cat is on fire tonight. Thank you guys for your patronage. We appreciate it. Uh, we know that uh, you can, you can choose your spend your money uh, anywhere in the world on coffee, on fun things like guitars or hmm. whatever you want. Um, and we thank you for just donating a little bit of your money to uh, this podcast. It goes a long way. It helps us with a lot of things. And uh, yeah, so Paul and Kelly, thank you
2: so much. Yeah, thanks guys so much. And uh, you know there are several perks about the Patreon. One of them being. We've decided, as I have mentioned before, to do this uh, Metal Tales from the Road series in which people who are going to the World Wire Tour in North America are going to call into the show, much like the one you probably already heard with our friend Sarah and our friend Aaron, and uh, recap the show for us. Now, yeah. we that is open to patrons. So yes. you can go <clears throat> to patreon.com backslash Metal Up Your Podcast, and even if you just give a dollar a month, one dollar. One dollar. You can sign up and uh, be one of the people to call in and be on the show. It's That's very right. cool. Yeah, pretty easy. We're on all the socials, Instagram Live, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube. Don't not go to our website, MetalUpYourPodcast.com. It ain't like you don't want to not go there. Don't Just don't not do it. Don't not do it. Consider doing it. <sighs> I would. One of the things that we do, lastly, of the housekeeping before we get into the old year in the life of Metallica... As we hear from the Metal Up Your Podcast family via email.
1: I, I've got something else we need to talk Did about I leave before this. Out? One little thing. Uh-oh. As you're listening to this episode on a Monday, you have, I believe, three days left to order your very own
2: Paul shirt. That's right. The exclusive, limited edition Metal Up Your Podcast Paul t-shirt. Paul t-shirt, yes. Now, here's what I want you to imagine. If you're on the fence, of, they're $18, by the way. That includes shipping, right? I don't know if it includes shipping. It Either depends way. on where you are in the world. You might you know you might be in Iceland. By the way, I've heard that the Joyces are around today. Are they I've heard in that Nashville? they're around HQ one. Really? Yeah. Maybe we'll hear from them later. Maybe we God, might. I hope so. I, love I don't them. know. Now what's I want you what I want you to imagine about these limited edition Metal Up Your Podcast shirts are imagine you're at I don't know, the Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica party the night before the Nashville show. Ooh and everyone's going to be wearing their metal up your podcast shirts but you're wearing one of the exclusive yes. Paul shirts imagine meeting a be dreadlocked Paul Moke could he be there wearing the shirt that says Paul Oh, uh, do, you
1: know, do you know how many people if Paul if Paul shows up he'll be there oh he'll be there we'll see how many people are going to just go i feel like all of that we're going to
2: hear Paul Paul it's going to be great. He's got a commanding presence on the show. He does, yeah. Though, though soft-spoken, though a, a quiet, passionate intellectual, yeah. he commands a large presence on the show oh, here, yeah, even totally. when he's not here. Paul? I think, I, think, I think most of our <laughs> listeners... I think most of our I'm listeners, sorry, I
1: thought I heard him. Yeah, no, that was the cat. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that... The majority of our listeners want
2: to hear from Paul, and that's why they tune in. It's not us; it's Paul. It's they Paul. Think they think they just think maybe this new episode is the one where they'll finally find him. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, it's ninety one. Clearly, Paul loves a black album. He'll be on the that's show. That's his favorite Metallica record, as he said before. Yeah. Of course, he's there. He's gotta be there. Well, we're still looking for him. Now, that's what's be. fun about the the uh, the shirts. We're gonna do a Lunar Satan shirt. We've already done the cover our black, and we've got some other really fun Metal Beer Podcast logos. Yeah. And uh, which flavor are you going to be? That's all we have to ask. Now, uh, can we move on to the email? <laughs> yes, we, we can. Yes, I give, you, I give you permission. Metal Beer Podcast show at gmo.com. Write us an email. We might read it on the show. Maybe we won't. We will respond to it, though. Yeah. And I like dipping in and hearing from the old fam. Let's do it. Let's go to the email corner. I'm ready.
1: All right, our first email is from Lou D'Elia. He says, what's up, boys? Love the Metal Tales from the Road episode. It's so cool to hear uh, the perspective of a regular fan. Well,
2: Sarah's not just a regular fan. She's a 40-show fan. Right, and then you got Aaron, who's definitely- He's seen like 8,000 shows. He quit being a regular fan in 1997, which (laughs) was when his first show was. But I, 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 know, I know what he's saying here. Um,
1: yep. I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, to these from the rest of the tour. Hope to see you guys, maybe even Paul in Albany. Uh, thanks for all you guys do. Lou and Delia said like the comedian Chris. Like Chris Delia, the comedian. Delia, Delia. I think it's Delia. Delia. He's hilarious, by the way. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, he's from Parsippany, New Jersey,
2: New Jersey. Which, by the way... A native. I looked at an atlas... Parsippany, New Jersey, New Jersey, guess where that is. Mm. God. Where would oh, fuck. just just draw on your New, New draw New York, on your knowledge New, from school.
1: Not New York, not No, New, close. Not New Haven. It, it is
2: very close to New York and very close to Connecticut. Is it in Old Jersey? It's in New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah.
1: Damn it. Amazing. Yeah. I Amazing. only
2: happen to look at the Atlas. Well, thank you, Ludelia. We certainly appreciate that. Um Our next email is from Daniel Berg. What's up, brothers? I'm a 16-year-old dude from
0: Sweden. Sweden!
2: Who discovered the show about a year ago, been listening to every episode since, and I've also listened through all of them in sequence a couple of times. Wow. I've just never written in before for some reason. Who does this? And then he says, did I do you, Paul, Sir Paul McCartney? Daniel's just got the, he's on a roller coaster of jokes. I mean, well, he's listened to them all multiple times. I did laugh laugh out loud while reading this email privately. This was a good one. He says, anyway, at the risk of sounding cornier than Dave missing his little Danish friend, (laughs) I felt like I had to tell you guys how much I appreciate and admire you even beyond the Metallica knowledge. He says, Clint, thank you for introducing me to Radiohead, the Damwells, the Cardigans, and a bunch of other bands, albums, and movies, and so on, which I now love. I thought that was a very sweet compliment. Yeah, very nice. He says, "Ethan, thank yes. you for encouraging all of us listeners to stay open-minded towards all music. Since I found your ska reggae stuff so killer, I've really been getting into other genres outside of rock, blues, and metal. Very cool. I mean, that's a hell of a compliment. That's awesome. I mean, that that's that's one of those things that, I mean,
1: I've talked about it on the show. Like I, I'm a lover of so many genres of music. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done punk rock punk rock stuff. I've done reggae stuff. I've done metal, whatever. I, it's good not to be stuck in one thing." metallic can can be your favorite band of all time. You mm-hmm. can you can generally gravitate towards that. But yeah, ex- explore the world a little bit. Get out there.
2: Yeah. Check it out. And I got to say Ethan gave me a test pressing of his new record on yeah. vinyl and we've been listening to it cranked up at dinner time my family and I. Yeah. And it sounds great. HQ2. Yeah, over at awesome. H- The kitchen at HQ2. That's right. <laughs> He goes on to say, also, I know this is a pretty common con- uh, consent amongst fans who write in. I don't really know a lot of music lovers to connect with about Metallica. He says, the Beatles, Hendrix, the wrestling boot band, or whatever. That's why it's so great to be able to listen to those conversations between two awesome artists and players whenever I don't feel like practicing my down picking or I just feel like shit. I definitely left a lot of stuff out, but in the interest of getting out of Sentimental Town and ending this thing, good day, you dingoes. Good day, you dingo. Daniel from Sweden, New Jersey. He says, PS, I think you guys should help promote Paw Paw's narration career by at least mentioning his appearance at the beginning of Tom Petty's song Honeybee from Wildflowers. At least I'm pretty sure that's him. <laughs> let's, let's 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 listen to Paul is, Pawpaw. Is, is it Pawpaw? I think he did have a cameo on the Wildflowers record from ninety four. Alright, stand by. All right, here we go. A little number we call "Give Me Some Sugar, Little Honey, Natural Bee."
1: Who knew? Who? Who,
2: who knew? Who does this? W- wait,
1: Joyce. Uh,
2: they're not quite here, but I—that I, was there's the Joyce somewhere yeah. here. I do like imagining Paw Paw like saying Tom Petty. Especially, are you familiar with the lyrics to Honey Bee? Yeah, he's like, "Well, I'm a, I'm a, you're the girl, you be the girl at the high school dance." <laughs> I'll be the boy wearing short pants. Short pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like high waters? Uh I don't really know what short pants are. I mean, are they shorts? I call them shants. Are, are they pantaloons? Like i like I I I'm, you know, I'm pretty proud wearer of
1: Dickie's shorts. <laughs> I'm from Southern California. What a sentence. I'm a proud wearer of Dickie's shorts. <laughs> hey man, just trying to get us a sponsorship here. <laughs> All right. Oh God. And I often, you know, we'll we'll get them maybe a size or two
2: bigger, so they kind of go lower than the kneecap. Mm. So I like to call those shants. It, we, can we classify it as punk rocker slash gangsta? It could be all sorts of things. A lot of punk rock dudes wore that. A lot of Dickies were
1: very popular uh, amongst vatos. Vatos. Um, yeah, very popular in Southern California, which is also why I wear lokes. I'm not even Hispanic, but
2: I just love... I would love a Dickies endorsement. I would love one. Could you imagine Kimmy? us getting a passion this fruit? This is
1: a Dickies shirt I'm wearing, Passion too.
2: fruit vodka. Dickies. In in our glass. Dickies on our behinds. Oh, yeah. Right? Down. Coca-Cola classic for when we're rocking out. Uh, Tito's vodka for when we're really rocking yeah. out. Yeah, I love Tito's. Love I bought it. Tito's today
1: uh, for us. Yeah, it's a special occasion, which we'll get to later.
2: Uh, well, <clears throat> Daniel... Thank you so much for the sweet email. I really appreciate yeah, that was awesome. all the kind things you had to say. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again down in the future of Metal Up your Podcast land.
1: And our next email is from Danny, Mr. Smooth, Santana.
2: Mm. Get it? Got the kind of feeling that could be so smooth. There it is. Give me your heart, make it real, or else forget about it. Yeah, girl. Nice work. That song won a Grammy. Thank you. It did, yeah. Oh, that's fucked my, up uh, My old manager in the rock band Duga I was in. He uh, produces Rob Thomas, really? and he okay. helped write that song and he produced it. He has a Grammy for it wow. in his living room, and probably has a lot of money for it too. Good for him. Good for him. I told him once. I said, "Hey, man, you should be really proud of that. That's really cool. It's a really cool song. Good accomplishment. And the for recording sure. is great. And he, you know, I could tell. His, no one had told him that in a while." Because that record got kind of shit on. It won like seven Grammys. Right. And that song was so big and ubiquitous. And Rob Thomas is so easy to not like. It, like, Matchbox 20 wasn't cool. I, I never cared for them. I think they're totally fine. Like, I never... No, they're, they're, yeah, they're fine. I never bought the records either. And you know, they're other than Rob, who lives in New York, those cats all live in Nashville. Yeah, they do. But I could tell that, like, he, you know, there was almost a moment where he was like, he thought I might have been fucking with him. But just as a <laughs> songwriter and a producer myself, I was like... Dude, you, you helped co-write Smooth, and you produced Smooth, and you won yeah. a Grammy for Smooth? That's cool. That, I think that's fucking cool, man. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Um, all right.
1: Danny Santana. <laughs> Danny Santana says, hello, gents. Great episode. Sarah was great. Uh, I'm going to love these uh, these show reviews. Makes me feel as if I was at every show. That Webster Hall show, man, I picked it up on vinyl, waited until the family was in bed, threw it on, and listened to the whole show with my eyes closed in the dark. Perhaps too many details. But I wanted to... Maybe. No, that, no, that's fine. That's normal. Uh, but I wanted to paint, a, uh, paint the picture. It's fucking phenomenal. I was
2: naked. It was a full moon, and I was naked. It was naked. I, I a- was calling for the wolves of I the Cala. I
1: took two Viagra. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he says it's fucking phenomenal, even even though you know it's coming. It still f- feels like a great surprise uh, to hear bread fan Orion, and Whiskey in there. Uh, and the production is on point. And that's our boy Greg Fiddleman. Old, old Fiddy. Um, P.S., I need the black and whiskey review ASAP because I want a bottle and I don't even like whiskey. What? Please tell me it's amazing. Holding out hope that some Trujillo tequila makes its way to the market soon. Great Thanks idea. Thanks again. Oh, it's a great idea. Thanks again for great content. We appreciate your guys' hard work um, to put them out. Danny, Los Angeles, California, New Jersey. Well, uh, first of all, Trujillo's tequila. Good idea. Great idea. I'm not a big Listen, tequila guy, though. Um, I love tequila. Um, Okay. Yeah. And Rob Trujillo I know you're listening Um, Why don't have Old management Reach out to old uh, Altos or something Like a good tequila Patron
2: Patron Something Patron's a very good one That's a great tequila Oh it makes me dance I hadn't danced in years And years And I had this tequila, I had Trujillo's, oh, I, I had Trujillo's honey tequila, and honey, I closed the bar down, it was absolutely closed. Oh, it, it was it was madness. I danced until my, I, you know, I danced until my feet fell off. And they literally fell I off. I don't have feet anymore. No, I'm in a chair now. I'm in a chair, I'm, I'm like an amputee. They'll be back on though, it's, there's a surgical I'm procedure I'm working on for regrowing that. them, or having some feet, I'm having some feet donated to me. Yeah. I'm at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah top of the list for a, for a foot donor. Because my feet fell off because of the, on account of the dancing. <laughs> Trujillo should have a tequila. That'd be awesome.
1: Um, listen, well, uh, so as far as uh, I, I researched a little bit, uh, Blackened Whiskey is not available in Tennessee yet. Okay. They debuted it in Madison, which I believe is where the guy they partnered with to do the whiskey is based out of. Okay. Uh, they had a tasting. People could buy it. Um I do know. I think I mentioned this maybe in the last episode that uh, a lot of the uh, crew guys from Metallica got a bottle as a as a thank you. That's a good. Um, that's a that's a cool gift. Great gift. Yeah. Um, but when it's available here, not only am I going to b- buy a bottle for myself, mm-hmm. we have a plan we'll to do show. the same. Yeah, yeah, I'll get a bottle. We're going to get a third bottle so that me and Clint and
2: Paul. God damn it, Paul! Paul. The three of us could sit down, sip on the whiskey, and do an episode about it. And we're going to get a fourth one, actually, and give it away as a gift.
1: And maybe a fifth one just to <laughs> smash against the wall because we're fucking punk. <laughs> Dude, that is so
2: punk rock. So just punk, man. Smash your favorite metal bands. Oh, yeah. Whiskey. Just
1: waste $45.
2: Danny is such a sweet friend of the show. Uh, thank you, Danny, for writing that email. Our next email is from Marta Vieira, who is a, uh, a new fan, I believe. She writes, hey, Ethan and Clint, how are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, pretty good. I've been meaning to write for such a long time. I love the podcast. Like many other listeners, I don't have a lot of people who appreciate Metallica in my life. uh, I think people still think it's a phase. So the show is a great way to hear other people's opinions about the boys and their music. I find myself laughing out loud at your jokes, which totally freaks my coworkers. (laughs) Good. She says it happens just yesterday with the videos part two episode. I guess that was a funny episode. Don't remember. Can't recall. Because we've done three of those now, right? What happened?
1: Who does this? Who who makes you laugh?
2: Although I've been on the ride for many years now, listening to your episodes makes me want to revisit certain things, like S&M and Cunning Stunts, for example, and the videos. I hadn't seen them in forever, and I love that. That's very cool. Uh, they go on to say, I've known Metallica since I can remember, but seeing them live for the first time changed my life. That was my rite of passage to becoming a real fan. They absolutely crush, and I've been a diehard and loving Papa Het's dad jokes ever since. Oh yeah. Dad jokes are just part of it now. Oh it, it, if you're not into dad jokes It's just happening. Yeah, well it's just it's the new reality. Which by the way, um he got back on Instagram, everyone freaked out. Yes, and then he's back out.
1: He's out again.
2: Yeah. It's like he tried and it it's gotta be too crazy for him, man.
1: Here here's what he needs to do.
2: If if he feels like, hey, I should I should post a photo,
1: fans will be stoked. You can disable comments to 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 where
2: you post a photo and you don't see anything. else. I think part of the problem is he likes to read the comments. I think that's part of the problem. Maybe so yeah. because it's it's got to be hard for him because. Well, he's James Hatfield. First well, of all. he's he's such a powerful, important figure in music. Yeah, and yet, what have we seen throughout all the years? He's so down to earth. Yeah, he's. I, I was I was just randomly watching a video the other day. Sorry, Marta, for the tangent. And uh, it was like it was when he was real thin, like 2011, kind of mm-hmm. 30th anniversary shows, thin, right? Yeah, he and was he kind of had the mohawk a little bit. Kind of dug that look. And he, I think he was—they were playing in Israel or something. Oh, I loved it. I, yeah. I thought he looked a little too, a little too thin, if that's possible. But um, he was doing the—I've heard him do the rap before, but the whole rap was basically like, "Man, we're just four fans from California, yeah, who." you know whose dreams came true it's like with all the fame and glory he's still trying to convince people that he's like hey i'm one of you because he is he is yes i I fully agree and so that's why i think the whole i think social media is really complicated for him because he struggles with it the way i do i I, too invested in comments or too it becomes such a mindfuck of people approving kind of what your life sort of looks like or something right yeah Totally. So I so I think he has a weird relationship where he tries to dip back in because he like I think I truly believe that he likes to feel connected to the fans, right? But I just think it gets dicey for him because it's like he forgets that he's an international rock icon. Yeah, and I kind of like that about him. I do too. You know, like when he
1: when he got back on Instagram and posted that thing about hey, here I'm doing this. It's only one, one only on when the he, only, only
2: the two weeks and when they're yeah, on the road at and, home
1: doing it. Um, I was stoked. I respected that. I'm like, mm-hmm. cool, great.
2: Every photo he posted, I was stoked on. You know, the one of his luggage uh, with the uh, with the with the ESP Uncle. Mil- it's the Uncle Milty, but it's yeah. the ESP version. In the I love that, love that. Um,
1: I guess it was probably two or three legs ago when they started up, and all of a sudden he just didn't post anything. Yeah, I was a little bummed. I was like, oh man, what's head, what's old Papa Head up to? But instantly, I was like, you know what. It's cool. I respect what it, whatever his decision is to not do this. I respect it. And it kind of it adds a little more mystery to him, too.
2: I got I to say, on the heels of that, you know, you and I are of a generation, and I know many of our listeners are, too, that straddle this um, cultural fence right? where we remember what it was like when our fucking musical heroes... There was mystery. Like We couldn't you see every to, video and picture and every know every fact immediately about them. You had to read, read a magazine. You had to you, you listen to rumors. And that was just part of the magic. Yep. Oh, yeah. And we're part of a generation that remembers that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So for sure. So for James to kind of dip in and then go away, for, for us, it's easier to be like, well, we'll miss you, but also enjoy the mystery of it. Yes, totally. All right, Marta. Back to Marta. Sorry, Marta. Marta goes on to say, I'm lucky enough to have seen them 14 times uh, to date. Two last year, Philly and Atlanta. Oh, Philly. She I was says there. you were in Philly too, right, Ethan? Yeah, I was. Too bad I wasn't listening to the podcast at the time. As for the rest, most of them were in Portugal, which is where I'm originally from, though I currently live in D.C. And then Marta says, you know the drill. If you come around this area, we'd love to pay for a couple of beers and chit-chat about Metallica. Well, of course we would if we're ever touring up there. Or of course, yeah. Uh, Marta is going to the Philly and Buffalo show this year, Cleveland next year. Unfortunately, Nashville's during the week, so I can't make it there. Um, that's cool. We'll, we'll cross paths at some point. I mean, you, I mean, you could make the effort, I guess, and just get get, get out here. So Marta won meet and <laughs> greet in 09. So this is one of the last kind of eras where you could still meet James. Marta says, still grasping for words for that one. Almost a decade later, it still seems like it didn't happen. Sometimes I have to look at the photos. I actually believe it did. I've attached them so you can confirm that those are, in fact, Metallica boys. I didn't just dream it. <laughs> the photos were really fun to see, by the way. Sorry about the long email. I know you have better things to do than read all this. I'll be supporting the show soon, next month probably. I believe Marta is talking about Patreon. I've just been lazy. Great job, guys. Your podcast is really entertaining. By far the best Metallica podcast around best. Oh, what Ma- a sweet email thank from you, Marta. Marta. <laughs> That's so nice, yeah. Um,
1: from Portugal. That's awesome. I've been to Portugal. Yeah, I've been to Lisbon. Yeah, I've I've never been over there, but I know you have. Amazing city, yeah, it's awesome. It sounds great. Yeah, um,
2: well, if we're ever in DC, then come out say hi. We'll hang out and we'll, thanks, uh,
1: Marta. We'll buy you a beer
2: too. I, whenever I've seen fans and some of the fans who I've hung out with on the road, can attest for this. I do think I tried to buy everyone at least one round. I have too, yeah, because the whole joke is they're going to buy stuff. Of course, and they yeah. and and honestly, they have. They they've I've had fans treat me a lot, but. It's nice to be able to buy them around too, especially yeah. if they're patrons.
1: I tried really hard with a few people uh, when I met up, and, and they've like. They refused Adamantly declined. Like, no, no, I'm doing this. How dare you?
2: Who, who, who does that? I offered first. Not me, honey. I just want to buy you a beer. I'll, I accept the beer. Maybe,
1: maybe a Shirley Temple? Are you, are you, are you non
2: alcoholic? Honey, what I like is I like my martinis. Oh, I have one Martini's. puts me I tell you what Extra I have, dry I have a ring-a-ding-ding time For about 15 minutes And then I'm off to bed It puts me right to sleep Heavens to bet Since oh, I get so tired Sleep like a baby like a Well my baby. feet fell off I'm On account of dancing So I well, get tired Well it's 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 easier to sleep With no feet than dance Well that's, a, that's an ancient proverb If I've ever heard one It's <laughs> yeah. easier to sleep With no feet than to dance <laughs> S- Second Joyce 4-6 <laughs> <laughs> the book of Joyce. from the book of
1: Joyce. all right we got a few more here all right and the next email is from kevin van dam long time listener and uh friend uh, of the apparently show apparently permanent loner of these box sets which we still need to cover uh the rest of these but we Lilo. have kevin van's amazing box set Kevin sets. Dam van kevin Dam van kevin... cha- you should change that uh, okay anyways kevin van dam writes gents thanks for the discussion on the black and whiskey controversy um I just had a passing thought of, that's awesome. Too bad James won't be able to enjoy it. But I was a little shocked that people were rushing to express righteous indignation on his behalf. Uh, White knighting for James, one of the biggest badasses ever, might be um, the most pointless exercise imaginable. Metallica can do whatever the hell Metallica wants to do. The fact that they are putting out a whiskey for all of us to enjoy should be something to be excited about, uh, not posture about uh, other people's sobriety. End of rant. Uh, also, uh, Dave, P- uh, Picarel, the distiller is who helped them create it. If you, if you've ever had uh, whistle pig whiskey, you've had one of, uh, Picerell's creations. Uh, I have not tried that. I have haven't either. No. no. Um, in true Metallica fashion, they got one of the best in the business to help them put out a top tier product. I can't wait to try it and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing the Blackened whiskey label is a waveform of the blackened intro.
2: No clue. That's, that's news. I to me. never thought about that. Very interesting. Compare it with the one on YouTube, the backwards and forwards one. We have to record it ourselves. We have to. We have to get to the bottom of this. Can we scan the front of the bottle and play it? An can app, James just, or something? Can James just answer one of my texts back for once? Can Ugh. I? Can he respond to a fucking nine one one page for once? I've been paging him since not, since the retouring. Poor retouring me. I've been paging him since my Motorola ran out of batteries. <laughs> totally. Ugh. Um. Kevin, that's a
1: great observation. Yeah. could it He's be an astute cat. Very astute.
2: Could that be he's correct? He's the astutest. Oh, he's astute. Let's so, just be so honest. astutey. He is the astutest astuter. Ugh, Whoever man. deigned to astute. Kevin Dane Van Dam. Kevin Astute Dang. Um. Well, he's right. I do like that the boys did get one of the best distillers there, you know. Yeah. They like to go in hard, man. Yes. And here's the thing, you're right, Kevin, Metallica does
1: whatever the hell they want to do. Thankfully. If at any point when this idea came up to partner with a distiller to make Metallica whiskey, if at any point Hatfield was like, I'm not down with it, they wouldn't have done it. Absolutely. Because he put his stamp of approval on it, doesn't mean that he's like fell off the wagon, then he's drinking again. He understands it like, hey, you know what? Some people can drink this stuff and enjoy it and not have the
2: issues I have.
0: And also uh, yeah. so let it be so let to- it be written
2: a totally uh, total, so let it be done so land let, of so Goshen. Let, so let it be drunk i uh I totally agree to play a little bit of devil's advocate for the people who express like concern about it or um, I haven't come across, and maybe maybe this is just me, but I haven't come across anyone that was like really upset about it. The people that I've brushed up against are kind of more like. They find it interesting. It's yeah. it's a it's a curiosity because because yeah. I, I understand for some people who aren't familiar with sobriety or alcoholism, it, it might seem real cut and dry. Like oh they're they're sober. They can't be anywhere near. Yeah, it. some people
1: are like that for they, sure.
2: They can't interact with it. Yep. They certainly aren't going to be endorsing it. Yeah. for you know for their fans or whatever. Right. So, some
1: people are like that. I, I have friend. I have a friend that, that has been sober for I want to say fifteen plus years. Mm-hmm. In Nashville, he will still come
2: hang out with you at a bar. He will buy you a beer. Most of my friends who have been in the program for a while yeah. reach that. It depends
1: on, you know, it depends on what how how it affects you. Like if, if years later you still can't just even be around it. I fully respect that. I i imagine in this case, because it, they released this whiskey that Hetfield is at the a place in life now, he's been served since 03 mm-hmm. um, fifteen years. He might be at the point now where he's like It doesn't even faze me anymore. Yeah, but I understand that people cherish this kind of thing and
2: really love a good whiskey and want to sip on it. And that's what I like about Kevin's point, and I think Kevin's exactly right. Is you know, James is like, look, I'm obviously not going to partake of it, but if we are going to do this, let's make it the best that we can.
1: I endorse a good quality product.
2: It's not some bullshit. Yeah, he he likes craftsmanship. Yes, you know, he's talked about a lot of the jewelry and watches and shit he wears has like would he you know the mastery of etching and as a skill? guitar
1: i mean come on that that alone
2: is like yeah um and he said he did say a ps maybe the cobra can get a bottle of it for january party that'd be cool if it's available i think think we can work that out if we can have the black and whiskey if it's available as as i know
1: right now you can you can't actually get it in tennessee i we can pre-order it I'm not sure what the release date is That's nationally it out. or I, like I said before, I've already talked to my local liquor store and I showed him a picture of it. I'm like, when you see this available, get bottles. Cause I
2: will buy four. And by the way, for those of you out there who are coming to the party, who are patrons or are considering getting on the Patreon train, uh, I believe what we did last time was every patrons first drink was on us. Yeah. And we, we might did, even yeah. be able to extend that to two drinks this time. We give you these little cool little patron, uh, tokens. Yeah. All right, Kevin, good to hear from Kevin. Of course, as always, Oscari Imonen says, hey, Clinton, Ethan, I'm a 21-year-old guy from Finland, you know, next to Sweden, he says, and I've been listening to the podcast for a few months now after a friend suggested it. I've been doing some catching up with the old episodes and finally listened to them all. He says, yes, crazy binge listening. Well, we, of course, don't hate that. He says, I started listening to Metallica when I was about eight or nine, and hearing the song One on Guitar Hero 3 is what started it all. The the online points for some people are so fascinating to me. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I got Guitar Hero
1: 3 and played that song. I got Guitar Hero Metallica. I was
2: equally as excited to jump into that as he was to discover it, I think. He says, Death Magnetic was the first album I really dove into, so it holds a special place in my heart. That being said, I love every album, even St. is pretty good with its awesome riffs and attitude, although he does admit that it has horrible production. He says, listening to the podcast has made me go back to some of the deep cuts on Load and Reload. Not that I haven't liked them before, just haven't listened to them that much. I really love Clint's passion for those two albums. I totally see why they're awesome. He says, I hope the podcast will go on for many years, as it is pound for pound, the best podcast out there. Wow. Best of luck for the both of you and everything you do in personal and professional lives. Yours truly, Oskari Imonen. He says, "Good luck pronouncing that." <laughs> I like Oskari. Oh, O-scary. scary, but in a good way. Well, um, I would I,
1: I, it, listen. What uh, a nice email. They're probably listening. I'm going to go ahead and put my. I'm going to put five bucks down that it's pronounced Oscari. Well, Clint's
2: got a scary. Okay, well, we'll find out.
1: We'll find out. Yeah. Uh,
2: are one of us willing to shave our leg hair over it? Uh, I will, because I have heard the any leg hair naturally. Look, check these out. I have out. noticed that you don't have any leg hair. You should feel the back of my calves. It's,
1: it's smooth.
2: And that, that's not from like years of shaving? No. You just never had my it? My dad's the same way. I don't have a lot of body hair. Like
1: my arms a little bit,
2: not much. You have shed your uh, ancestral, primordial, ape-like This also applies fur. to my head, too. Yeah,
1: it's just going away. Yeah, Whatever. it happens. I it happens a lot. I don't care. I'm a hat guy. That's what I do. Yeah, not not to cover it up. It's just that's what I've done forever. Lar, so. Lars is similar, I believe. Yeah. Oh, Lars. Lars has got way further of a cul-de-sac than
2: I do. Dude, there is a hilarious story in Mick Wall's book *Internight* about Kirk talking to Mick Wall, like randomly. This is in, and this is around Black Album era, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, noticing that I guess Mick Wall was losing his hair." And this right. is Kirk saying to Mick Wall out of the blue, hey, man, you ought to check out Rogaine um, before it's too late. And Mick Wall's like, what? And he's like, yeah, man, I put it in my hair, too, because apparently Kirk was worried about it. Well, if
1: you go back in the load reload era when Kirk cut his hair short, yeah, there's a point where like you can find photos where his hairline goes back a bit.
2: Rogaine is just so the 90s. Not
1: bad. Well, what, was, what was that other one? It was like the spray can of like. Spray there was one
2: hair. that was uh, the hair club for men. Yeah. And the, the famous line of, I'm not only the president, I'm a client. I'm or, a client. Or, or whatever. Totally. What but, was that called? Was that Rogaine? I think that was, I think that was Rogaine. Was it Soul Glow? It was Soul Glow. Let's dip in and just hear a little bit of advertisement from Soul Glow. Okay. You know,
0: you can be all the things you always wanted to be. Beautiful sexy easiest one two three just let your soul go just let it shine through just let your soul
1: No, but go back and, and and just find photos of Kirk in like mid to late '90s. Oh,
2: I will. Before, oh, oh, uh, do you double dare me? I triple dog uh, oh, dare you. I'll go back and find pictures of Kirk Hammett. Double dare, great. The show. Ripper. Oh, the Ripa. The Ripa. Oh, he rips it. Oh, so bro, good, the honey. fucking Ripa. How do you like them apples,
1: Ripa? Um, but before he grew his hair back out, it was starting to get a little receding. Okay. Much like mine. And then all of a sudden, to this day, he's got just gorgeous locks.
2: Well, Mick... They're graying now, which looks amazing. Mick Wall quoted... uh, It was because I'm saying Mick Wall. Big Mick. Yeah. The sound guy. He said they were like having a beer one night on that tour, and he mentioned that... that Kirk told him he needed Rogaine. Yeah. And Big Mick was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to try to do the British accent, but he was like, yeah, like we travel with so much fucking Rogaine now because of Kirk that there's hardly (laughs) even any room for the equipment in the trucks wow apparently Kirk was really into it for a minute alright I just love that maybe had an endorsement said that to uh, him anyway uh, last email last email Kyle Kyle Serafini
1: Kyle Serafini he says dear mother dear father
0: earth
2: earth Uh,
1: writing from Ontario Canada New Jersey to thank you for the great work you've been putting out there for so long now um uh, became a patron a few months back and I'm just finally getting around Thank to writing in. Thank you so much. Uh, got on the ride with you guys last April and have found uh, uh, and have been enjoying every second of it since. Except for when Brad insinuated that fuel <laughs> was akin to a nickelback He's song. He's
2: talking of course about our friend Brad Blaze. Yeah, but yeah. Who we we did a really fun episode with the single podcast theory guys. Just talking about our favorite and least favorite songs from every record. Right. And Brad's Brad's favorite record is is Justice for all he's a bit of a true yeah he's not a total true i saw him say today that he loved i disappear you yeah. believe me you revoke your true membership if you like i disappear <laughs> that's a fact you definitely do no but he, i don't think he's a big fan of load and reload and he did he said that fuel was like butt rock like nickelback which we um, we gave him we gave him some yeah, proper shit for that. yeah for sure
1: uh, he said i'm not fully up to date on the uh, american legal system but I'm pretty sure saying that is a felony. It's worse than a felony. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually puts you in federal It's prison. anathema. Yeah, it's
2: it's, yeah. it's exile territory. The, they exile you to Canada, it's actually, it's, which is weird. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> falling a few episodes behind as life has been pretty hectically, but I'll be up to speed in no time. Regardless, I was open uh, to and love learning more about... Excuse me. Um... Uh, sorry, learning more about uh, my all-time favorite band, Metallica. Uh, being just a young lad at the age of twenty, uh, a lot of people of my age resent the fact that their favorite bands from the sixties, seventies, eighties, etc. Weird. Uh, peak decades before they were born. Lucky for me, Metallica is, in my opinion, uh, in just a great place in their in career, uh, career-wise and musically, as they've never
2: been, as they've ever been, as they've ever been. Sorry. I think they're at a peak. Like, I think they're, that, they're at one of many peaks. I think that Puppets is a peak. I think Damage Justice Justice Tour is a peak. Yeah. I think Black Album is a peak. Uh, yeah, I think hard, the Hardwired Cycle would represent a peak in the oh, landscape yeah. of Metallica. For sure, yeah. Um. Where was I here? Uh, Rush.
1: Uh, having had the bittersweet pleasure of seeing my other favorite band, Rush. Well, you're Canadian. You have to like them. I like them, too. Um, on their final tour as well as Iron Maiden last summer. It's really great to have bands like these holding it down for all things good out there in the world. Anyways, just want to chime in to thank you guys for all the fantastic work you put in. We all appreciate it. I'll be looking forward to laughing and learning with you guys for a long time to come. Take it easy, boys. All right.
2: Kyle, thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle.
1: It's very sweet. Um, I I do want to uh before we move on here to the actual episode in ninety-one. It is interesting when it talks about uh, when you have your favorite bands that predate when you were born.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm one of those people, The Clash, one of my mm-hmm. favorite bands of all time, next mm-hmm. to Metallica. Uh, they started before I was born. Metallica started when I was four years old. Sorry, three years old. Okay. Where are we going with this? I'm just saying it's okay to have a band become your favorite mm. and they predate you. I mean, some people
2: like the Beatles. That's their favorite <sighs> band ever. Most people like the Beatles, right? If you don't like the Beatles, you are a butthole. If you like the Beatles? Well, listen. Like, they may not be your favorite band. You may not be like Goo Goo Gaga for of the course, Beatles, yeah. But if you actually actively don't like the Beatles, you are. And I'll say it again. And I'm intentionally not cursing because I hope this has more power. You are a butthole. <laughs> I think if you don't like the Beatles,
1: you haven't actually dove in. Maybe you don't know yet. Yeah, maybe that's true. You might know, you know, she loves you, yeah, 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 you yeah.
2: might. You might think Love Me Do and I Want to Hold Your Hands a bunch of bullshit, but first of all, that's not bullshit. <laughs> Second of Great all, songs. go listen to everything after Help. Go listen to 65 go listen on. listen to the White Album. I mean- well from Rubber Soul, I would argue that it Rubber really Soul, starts with so help, mean- but Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sergeant Pepper, Michelle, Mystery Tour. Michelle Mabel. Son son, son he, don't start, please, piano. They start
1: speaking some French. There's some French in there. It's
2: real nice. I want you, I want you, I want you.
1: If you okay, I know this is probably the easily one of the Beatles' biggest songs, biggest ballads for sure. Okay. But if you listen to the song yesterday,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and don't like it,
0: mm-hmm. mm,
1: I think we had a problem. Wish that was on help. One of the m- most beautiful songs ever written. Absolutely. Uh, well, undeniable.
2: Yesterday. Joy seems so far away.
1: <laughs> Exit light into <laughs>
2: Now I need a place to hide away. Oy vey, I believe it yesterday. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Well, anyways.
1: Well, I don't know where <laughs> we're leaving off on that. We're leaving off as first of all, uh, hit pause, go listen to the Beatles discography, and then come back to the content of this episode. <laughs> we'll be waiting. We'll be waiting. All right, ready? Here we We're gonna wait now. Did you do it? Are you done? Are you are you done? <laughs> do you? All right, let's get out of this email, BS. Let's get out. <laughs> Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metalhead Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon.
2: That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to cover our world black end which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP? That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon exclusive merchandise, Patreon exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in.
1: There's all sorts of things you can look at on there, and you can donate to. Go check it out:
2: Patreon.com/slash/MetalUpYourPodcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P a t r e o n dot com slash Metal Your Podcast. And if you really think about it, five dollars a month for an entire year—that's really just like a cup of coffee a month so go check it out thanks everyone peace adios all right 91 91 as we said before it's just, year. There, there's no way around it it's the year of the black album yes now they started recording it as our astute listeners will uh recall there will be a test by the way oh yeah uh they started recording this album october of 1990 yep they kind of hunkered down and, and you know for the first half of the year you don't hear much from the boys but it is the year of the black album, and it's you know, arguably. What if we were spitballing and we were just spitballing the most important metal records of all time? Obviously, puppets. So let's I would go. Agree. Ahead, let's not let's not talk about any more metallic rights other than puppets. What else are we putting in there? Paranoid. Sabbath, Paranoid. Uh, I would say maybe Led Zeppelin two.
1: Peace of mind by Iron Maiden. Yeah. Um. um. Uh, I, would, I, I would throw in Rust in Peace by Megadeth
2: it's a very important metal record ugh.
1: I'm not saying you should like it I'm
2: talking I'm talking like top five man I'm talking the Paranoid I'm talking about Black Album it's Rust in Peace at that I would, level I would throw in ACDC right I would throw in Highway to Hell or something Back in Black maybe yeah Back in Black Album Back in Black Coiled Snake Ooh. you shook me all night tread on me ugh oh.
1: Maybe smell the glove. Spinal Tap. None more black.
2: Well, there you know the the boys could not escape the comparisons to when the Spinal Tap. You know they they had their black album. Oh, it's great. Yeah, listen to our Year and a Half Life of Metallica episode part one or two when we talk about that scene. But yeah, well, it, I tried to spitball is... about most important metal records. You're not playing ball with me. Painkiller. I, I totally I'm talking was. Priest. Painkiller. Yeah, but you you said Rust in Peace. We're not on the same wavelength. If you're talking rust and We're fucking talking, peace, okay, fine, 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 fine. Come on, I would go. Boo! Uh, then I would go Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, Iron Maiden. You said Maiden. Fucking Dio. Dio, Priest. Maybe, maybe, maybe Rainbow. Dio's Ooh. early band. Yeah, yeah. I think Black Album it, might be the top five most important metal records of all time. I think so. Which I know just really fucking b- bums some people out who don't because con- there's this whole like. It's not metal. It's a good rock record. That's a common.
1: I think it's a metal record. I wouldn't call it a thrash metal record. There's thrash elements to it, but it's a it's a metal record. Yeah, it really is. Like when you watch live footage of them playing these songs.
2: Yeah, there's some ballads on there,
1: but it's a metal
2: record. Well, at some point, a band like Metallica, who created thrash metal, uh, with other bands, to be fair. Of course. At some point. And this is an interesting idea. I wonder if you'll agree with this. At some point, whatever that band does is is in real time defining what metal is. Yeah. They're sort of constantly redefining it because it's so seminal to the work they're doing. Totally. I agree with this. Okay. Yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> I'm like getting worked up suddenly. You're, you're trying to convince me of something, what, and I'm, I'm, I was convinced. Well, I'm imag- I'm I'm sorry. I'm am pon- pontificating and imagining you as the invisible audience who may or may not okay. agree with me.
1: Reload sucks.
2: There we go. That's there my guy. Well, let's just, let's get some context here. So okay, let's dive in. January is pretty much silent for the boys. What we must assume here is that they are still hunkered down at one-on-one studios in California with one Mister. Robert Bobby Esquire, Rock and Rock. Yeah, the fourth. The fourth, of course. February 20th is where we see the boys in the public spotlight. They won their second Grammy in the mess, uh, best metal performance for Stone Cold Crazy, which I submit to you, and no offense. Which you have in the past. I submit to you that this was them trying to make up for the boo-boo of giving the Grammy that should have gone to Injustice for All to Jethro Tull <laughs> yes. for Crest of a Knave. Yeah, <laughs> Crest of a <the> Knave. Now- <laughs> It's still one of the best. <laughs> maybe they did deserve it for that title alone. I mean, alone. it it, uh, it is it is humorous enough to maybe, tr- if it was like a big Grammy trolling. Or maybe best comedy
1: record, Crest of the Nave.
2: I don't know. I think Stone Cold Crazy is cool. Now, Os- Grammy, I almost said Oscar. The Grammy win is- a little bit of a head scratcher. But,
0: but it it's is cool. Yeah. But fine.
2: It's cool. If anything, it probably
1: it probably made for a good setup for what's to come in 91. Well, it, that it, is it, absolutely it true. It put them on the map even that more so than That is absolutely true. It gave them a little more notoriety. They're on the Grammys, they're winning an award. You know, it's it's right. it's a good I think it's a good a good stepping stone into 91.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Okay. March, we don't hear much any uh much else from the boys publicly. Again, they're hunkered down working their fucking asses off in the studio. Oh yeah. We've all seen the year and a half in the life. You can you know, listen to our couple of episodes on it. We know how, I mean, that was such a strenuous piece by piece process. Yes, yes. Uh April 29th through May 4th. These are interesting days because basically they've done a bulk of the work, meaning they've gotten like a lot of the basics, the drums, the bass, the rhythm guitars. Now, April 29th is when James and Bob fly up to Bob's studio in Vancouver, yep. Little Mountain Studios, to do overdubs for the Black Album. This is where you see in the documentary where he's doing the sitar yep. for Wherever I May Rome. He's playing that Gretsch White Falcon on Nothing Else Matters.
1: Yeah, and, and when Clint says you know, they're up there doing overdubs, that, that's usually at the point where you're... I mean, everything is overdubbed, technically, but when you say, yeah, we're doing overdubs... It's, it's like, my it's favorite like the, part of a record. It's like the last... 15 20 percent of the record right the 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 the
2: nut and bolts are there the drums bass you're just putting candy on
1: yeah you you know you you know puts a a couple extra toppings on the slice of pizza
2: right like maybe you're doing like some some background vocals some ooze some ahs. yeah some texture and then lars also flew up the day after and you know this is the scene it's a really cute scene where you know bob has basically had Like a cartage guy, table of percussion, and it's just a table of percussion, and it's like it's it's it really is adorable in a way because it's like it's like Lars had never seen a tambourine. There's certain stuff he like picks up and he's just like, "What is this?" Yeah, he doesn't even know what it is. You know, yeah, it it is. It's adorable. And I do got to say, and I know uh, I know our friend Paul will appreciate this. Part of what Bob was doing, which I think he talks about this in the documentary, is part of it was. He probably wanted to go see his family. <laughs> like he'd been in LA making this right, record yeah. for a, a hundred months, and you know he lives in Vancouver, BC. He actually originally wanted to do the record there because he you know he's a big family, he's a big family guy. Yeah, but uh, he was lured away when he actually heard the uh, True demo. That was when he was like, okay, I'm going to go make this record in LA with yeah. these guys. But what I think was interesting about it is he, at some point they'd been there so long, gotten so used to one on one, maybe in a rut. Yeah, maybe the morale got low. Maybe so, yeah. and he was like, "Fuck it, let's fly home. I'll get to see my family. We'll be in a new studio. We'll be in the beautiful. You've been to Vancouver, I know. Oh It's gorgeous. Yeah, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And uh, we'll we'll do like the fun candy recording. Like it was yeah. a good producer move. Right, add a little bit of life into the session and give the rest of the band kind of a little break, a little breather. You know, right? You guys do whatever you want. It was kind of yeah. It was kind of leaning heavy on Lars and James. Yeah, which were the shot callers anyway. I yeah, mean, they are. What's Jason going to do up there? You know. Some slap base overdubs. Uh, I also thought it was worth mentioning. I don't know if we talked about this on our previous episodes about the Black album, but Fleming Rasmussen was actually on retainer for Crazy. probably for the month of October and November. Just to, like just in case that shit something that shit happened well, like with last like time, Mike Clink. Mike Clink, yeah, right. They
1: were they started Justice with, with Mike Clink, who did Appetite for Destruction. Right. And usually there's one and two. Things didn't go so well, so they brought in Fleming. So they went into the Black Album cautiously.
2: And, and think about it this way, too. like Fleming seems like such a an interesting, maybe even kind of aloof guy. It's hard to get into his mind of maybe what he was thinking. But imagine that you've made pu- Lightning, Puppets, and Justice, critically claimed Metallica's winning Grammys for the song One that he yeah. co-produced with Hetfield and Ulrich. Right. Um, imagine they call you and say, hey, we're not hiring you to make our new record. We've hired someone else, Bob Rock, of mainstream rock and roll fame, Sonic Temple and Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. Uh, But just in case that sucks, we want to have you. Imagine waiting for the call that never comes. The call that never comes. So part of you is like, you know, he talks about how basically they paid for him to be on vacation in Denmark. Yeah. And. He was probably cool, whatever. Which is cool. Like, I am getting paid to just fucking hang out with my family. Yeah. But you think maybe there was some uh, bummer vibes when he never got the call? Like, oh, hey, you know he's what? He's got to be a little bit bummed. Things are going so well with Bob. He's opening up avenues. First of all, here's one thing he's doing that you didn't do, motherfucker. There's bass on the record. Yeah. He, well, I, I feel like Fleming is a little, maybe a little bummed. I don't know. It'd be an interesting question he, I, for him. I, I,
1: I think what would bum him out more than not getting the call apartheid. is... Apartheid. Getting the call... Apartheid. <laughs> but getting the call that the retainer's done. Because that's
2: worse than the phone b- call that says, you're not doing it. I bet there wasn't even a phone call, though. I bet they said, hey, we're putting you in a retainer from here to here, uh, there, and the check just quit clearing. There had to have been a phone
1: call. I mean, at this point, I mean, they, they made three records with Fleming. They had to, at a certain point, call and say, hey, things are going great. Like, Thanks for being patient. Thanks for being on vacation. Hope you enjoy the money, but we're going to continue with Bob <laughs> Rock, so... We'll see you down the line. We'll see. We'll see you when we do the 30th anniversary box set of Master of Puppets.
2: <laughs> that's the, that's literally the next time. I they hope saw that him.
1: I I would like to think
2: that that's not the next time they saw him. Um, I've been rereading this really great Joel McIver book, which <clears throat> someone's gotten us hooked up with Joel McIver, and he's apparently willing to come on the show. We need to make that happen. It's called Justice for All, the truth about Metallica. Truth. Now, what's fascinating about this book is this motherfucker does not like Load and Reload. He doesn't really even like Black Album that much. Yeah. This guy is pretty hardcore true, but he, but he's a good journalist, good writer, and he's, yeah. he's done a good job of being objective, but speaking of Fleming, so Fleming talks about this, so he says he was asked to remain on standby at the start of the Black Album sessions just in case the rock setup didn't pay off, and then he's quoted as saying... They actually paid me to take a month's vacation at the start of the Black Album in case it didn't work out with Bob Rock. Wow. He said, we'd done that with Justice and they didn't want to end up in a situation like they had before where they were stuck and couldn't go any further. I was on vacation in Denmark. It was cool. But the album went on for a year and a half. I think I would have killed them by the end of that time. Wow. He may have. I mean, because when when he made the previous three records, it was definitely not that, that much time working on the record. To take 10 months on a record at this time, was was pretty unusual. It was part of the... I could not imagine being in the studio that long. Well, you got... I mean... Well, first of all, Bob's, Bob has said, frankly, and was probably right, it's real similar to Fleming. Yeah. Remember how Fleming basically said he didn't think Lars was good enough to, to do a record? And they had... I think I believe his name was Fleming Larson, who ended up becoming Lars's drum right, tech. Right, Tom Drums, yeah. Basically, give him drum lessons. Yeah. So, similar to that, Bob Rock... Which you know, Bob Rock is a consummate oh, yeah. musician and pro- professional and perfectionist. You, you got to hear our Bob Rock episode with Paul because we, we, Ethan and I are a of hu- hu- there. huge admirers of, of Bob. Of course, yeah. But Bob basically said to Lars, "You're not ready to make this record either." So he, they had Lars set up in a in a B room that James actually wrote Lars's like practice room. Yeah, and he basically made Lars practice good. So if you got a band big enough with a budget enough and the songs that everyone, including Q Prime, believed in enough to take the time and spend the money and all that shit, they're gonna do it. Yeah. I think they yeah. knew I think they knew that everything was aligning. So yes. let's take it real serious. Let's take yes. our time. So and not to mention, James is a fucking perfectionist too. Yep. He is, yeah. So a lot of that time was spent with him chug a chugging and making sure that the two guitars on left and right, and the thickener down the middle, mm-hmm. were just so precise. It's almost you can almost not even hear it. You can you can definitely tell that like with, with like Lars now.
1: Before I get to this point, when you watch the Damage Justice stuff, like Lars is fucking on fire, and, and yep. some some of the peak era of Lars' drumming. But when you watch live footage post recording Black album, like he is solid as shit, man. It's like. You can you can hear that he practices ass off and he got in the studio and he hacked it out and hacked it out and hacked it out for a year and a half. You know, and yeah. It's like sometimes I wish he would still do that. Yeah. I don't think he's like the worst drummer or anything like that, but like there's things there's things as a drummer where I watch footage of him now, I'm like, ugh, you're you're rushing. Slow down. Well, you know? are you talking about live or in the studio? I'm talking about live. Like I'm, I think I'm live making, I'm he, making the comparison that like like Touring the Black Album, like, he was so solid live.
2: Well, I totally agree with that. I mean, when we get into 1992, we'll kind of see why. Basically, 1992, they're on tour the entire year. Yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. talking no breaks. Yeah. I mean, if you looking at those tour dates is staggering. It's crazy. Like, remember when you used to look at, like, you'd get tour dates in, and, like, the longer that list was, the more excited you were? Cause, oh, yeah. Because, A, it meant money. Yeah. Which we rarely have in this goddamn industry. Right. B, it also meant like something to do, like work. Yeah. You're taking it to people. For sure. You know, these days, with my touring now at least, I want to see less dates, but I want them to be strategic and smart and have a lot of bang for their buck. Less dates, more money. They're obviously (laughs) the same way. They only play 50 shows a year now. So Yeah. But I think when you see footage of the Death Magnetic, making of Death Magnetic, and uh, the hardwired stuff... He's we still working real hard in the studio.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
2: And he's still punching and like getting. He's not doing like full performances of spit out the bone. They're like getting section by section, and sure, sure, you yeah. can see Greg stopping and be like, "That was good. That fill was good. Yeah. That verse was Let's good." Pick it up from there, yeah. Right? But I,
1: I think I think Lars still takes it very very serious. Right. He's still Metallica's biggest fan. But you're you right;
2: know? he cuts corners live, and we've talked about that. And sure, yeah, I think you and I fall into the category of fan who. Would obviously love to see him play shit note for note or whatever. Right. But we also don't care. Yeah, we don't care. I, I'm not real bothered at by the, it.
1: Honestly, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you could, you could look up year by year the song one live, mm-hmm and most of the time, he's not nailing the machine gun part. Right. And people love to sit there and make fun of and be like, oh, he fucking sucks, and fucking Lars can't do this. It's like, well, you get up there, motherfucker, and do it. You do it.
2: I think we're in an... I. Being being a fan, a pretty heavy fan since ninety one, I do think we're at a place where if, if you're like harping on Lars's technical ability, I feel like we've just we're over all that. It's old. It's old news. It's man. so it's, fucking boring to me. It's boring. Yeah,
1: totally. I might think in my head a little bit like, "Oh, that was a little rushed," or "I missed that Lars backbeat." Well, that's he what had I'm saying it's like one, but it, I agree. It, it, but at the end of the day, it's like you know what? It's still fucking Metallica, and they're making they just made a great record. And they're on an amazing tour, yeah. And we're gonna go see it. And it's gonna be fucking awesome.
0: Oh,
2: well, I just feel like when people complain about it, well, he's not playing the double kick and moth or whatever. Are they right? Yeah, but do I give a shit? No, it's kind of a capital N. No, no, I'm in the crowd singing along. Yeah, I'm, I'm too busy celebrating the. I'm music. I'm on the crowd going. Well,
1: he didn't. Oh, I was trying the last chorus. He didn't do the double kick part. Uh,
2: and not to uh, not to even really judge that necessarily, but it does seem like a joyless posture when well i think what you and i are feeling as we all get older together yeah. is um it's gratitude that they're still yeah, totally. playing and sound great and i think i mentioned this on the one of the two hardwired episodes we did um we've
1: done 3 you're right we have um one of them's like 4 hours long <laughs> it was definitely 4 hours long um i think there's parts on hardwired that uh in regards to drums that Lars did maybe it was an overdub maybe it was gritting the kick drum whatever that when I first heard the record my I thought he's not gonna be able to do this live
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and he didn't Mm -hmm. he didn't try to do it and fail he just did something different right and I'm cool with that yeah I think at their age at this point in their career if they put out a record put out the best record you can even if it means you're gonna like quote-unquote, maybe cheat the system a little bit, like, hey, I can't play Double Kick that fast anymore. I'm 54 years old, whatever. Let's just, like, grid it, put in some samples, and make it sound badass, because the fans will love it.
2: Every time I make a recording, whether it's a demo in my studio because I wrote a country song that day, or it's a master that I'm making with you or Bob Schneider, whoever, whatever, whatever tricks there are in the tool belt to make that record sound great and feel great, I'm totally fine with. Sure, yeah. I don't care. It you, you know, doesn't mean the, matter. The, the
1: purest musician in me is like, you record it, you need to pull it off live. Um, I've, to an extent, lived by that in my touring career. Um, but there's some stuff that's just impossible. Especially when it comes to extra parts. You know, Hey, there's this song we have, we want to play it live, but there's like, it would require nine musicians to pull this off. right? But you know what? Metallica gets out there and like most recently, they did No Leaf Clover. Oh my goodness Without an orchestra And it still sounded great
2: Like they they, they Well I I, When I saw them um, In 2000 It's weird Because when they played No Leaf Clover In Minneapolis Last week uh, That was one of the biggest um, Pleasant surprises In a long time On a set list Oh yeah You and I were texting Like the second
1: I looked up the set list Before the show was over Right I went to setlist.fm
2: And they kind of Updated in real time It was
1: updated To like 12 songs
2: the the amount of excitement with you and I with the community of listeners I mean they hadn't played that song in like 7 years since 2011 right but when I saw them in 2000 it was kind of a staple I mean they were playing it a lot yeah. and they were doing it sans kind of obviously sans S&M orchestra of course yeah um but yeah, you're right. Like they pull it off. I mean, Metallica is a live band, dude. Oh yeah, totally. and they've always prided themselves on that. They make yeah. great. They make really great, solid, meticulous, perfectionist records. But they're a band that takes a lot of pride in nailing mm-hmm. shit live. It's a, it's a little more stripped down live sometimes. But I mean, Metallica is the kind of band that could have two
1: auxiliary musicians on stage to yeah. fill out the sound. Yeah, they could. But they've never done it. No. And I and I love that.
2: No, love they, they've never played the tracks, and they've never really had had that kind of vibe no, there's, there's
1: no little tricks up their sleeve with that stuff i mean they have a great production and stuff like that but as far
2: as music goes it's the it's the four dudes it's it's the real deal i yeah. mean you know it's one of the reasons we're all still here it's one of the reasons you and i talk about this shit every week because there's something more than it, inner sandman is catchy that you yeah. and i sort of spiritually resonate with sure yeah. and it, it's in many ways part of it the real dealness of it yeah part of that is that when they're on a deck live and they're for, they're duking out Halo on Fire or Motor Breath it's four dudes making music we're in yeah and, it's, and it's, it's that powerful Hey. did Lars not play the double kick was James a little pitchy can James hit the comes to be can he still do that the way he did on S&M yeah. don't know don't give a shit it's about the moments about the music it's about forties up there
1: that are still a garage band that happened to be a fucking gigantic band could, couldn't have said it better
2: you could have that was poetry no <laughs> All right, all right. now on. in May we don't hear much from the boys. So May fourth is when they leave Vancouver. They were only there for a week, kind of doing those overdubs. Right. I'm guessing that the month of uh, the rest of May was kind of spent in the minutia of the studio. Yeah, or maybe taking a little break and just right. getting get uh, away. Yeah, maybe family time. I know Jason during that time was, you know, doing a lot of biking and playing a lot of basketball. And well, I mean, they all had a lot of wasn't extracurricular it three, shit.
1: Three, you know? two of the dudes went through a divorce during this record. Uh all the married ones Kirk, did. Kirk was it three well,
2: James wasn't married at this point, I think. I believe wasn't it the other three dudes when yeah. through divorce? Yes. Crazy. June second, uh, we get the holier than thou rough mix, which is the one Bob Rock did. Now it's interesting that we get that, and and this ended up being one of the uh additional tracks on the Inner Sandman single. Right. Um I find this interesting because what we learned in the year and a half in the life episode. Is that Bob wanted this to be a single? The first single. They're having lunch. They're talking about it. Right. Yeah. So I think Bob kind of kind of scrounged up a
1: mix. I think he might have been maybe channeling like, you know, why the, would the they, last couple records, like, hey, this record's so different. Let's put this single out first. I agree. Just
2: so your fans are like, oh, they're still heavy and they're still fast. I think that was I think he knew. I mean, they maybe even had explicit conversations about it. He knew they brought him in. He was not an extreme metal guy, right? He was known for fucking Motley Crue, He's he- only good. right? And the Cult and Bon Jovi yeah. and Aerosmith, kind of. He kind of represented stuff that a nineteen eighty two, eighty three Killamolish Lars and James would would put the middle finger up at. Or, yeah, they're anti. He kind of represents that. Yeah, yeah. And I think he know. I think Bob Sm- Bob Rock is a smart motherfucker. And I think what he thought was, let's. Let's bring them in. Uh, let's woo them into this new thing. Yeah. With arguably the biggest thrasher on the record, which is Holier Than Thou. I think it was the wrong move. The move is to just follow your heart and lead off, which they did with the new, quote unquote, new Metallica, which is Inner Sandman. Yeah. Yeah. It's slower. It's doomier. It's real catchy. It's radio. It's MTV. It's still heavy. It's the gospel of Metallica going to the whole world. Yep. It's heavy as fuck. Yes. Oh it's a great, great riff. Thank you, Kirk. I'm just gonna. I've, I've, I try to hedge this every time. I'm like, it's one of the greatest riffs up with like Iron Man and shit. I'm just gonna say it. It's the greatest metal riff of all time. I mean, defy me. Not, not you. The, the universe, <laughs> you. Not me. Tom Quee's like tornado of souls. I like, can just. I know he's said tornado of souls to himself just now. It's,
1: it. You know, like the greatest metal riff of all time doesn't have to be the most complicated, the most technical.
2: It's just... Not only does it not have to be that, I know that the greatest metal riff of all time isn't that. It's... It's not the 22-string guitar with the guy playing a million miles per hour. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, it can't yeah, be. That's true. Yeah. Totally. The most technical thing someone can do is like interesting for a minute in an American Idol way. Yeah. But it's not something that is culturally... That will change the cultural zeitgeist of music. It And it did. Bum, 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 da, 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 that's a slow ass doomy riff dude it's a great riff i know our friend rye over at sabbath bloody uh, podcast will agree which by the way if it's you those of you who are sabbath fans need to go check that out sabbath bloody podcast yeah it's a fun podcast it's our friend Ry, He's this cat over in ireland and it, it, he just does it by himself but he's got a great vibe and oh, I've, yeah. I've really been enjoying being on the ride over there yeah his podcast is real fun okay Moving right along. June 10th. June 10th is when the mixing, the proper mixing, which Bob mixed, by the way, begins at A&M Studios in Hollywood, California. Now, I had a note here that I learned that, interestingly, the boys really just wanted Bob to mix whatever their next record would be after Justice, because he was known for that low end. Right. Yeah. And uh, when they kind of reached out to him through Q Prime, uh, he kind of came back and said, not only do I want to mix it, I want to produce it. And I think that's when they were like, hmm, okay. Interesting, okay. Okay. We're listening, we're listening. Okay, Bobby Rock. Which, you know, ended up being fortuitous for all of us. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to read this from Joel McIver's book. Okay. Because this is Lars addressing the base issue. Not full on, but addressing it. Yeah. And talking about what they wanted, how they wanted to learn from that mistake. Okay. So Lars says, uh... He says, with Jason, I guess we misfired on justice. But this time around, I didn't want to make the same mistake again. So very early on, we steered the bass more towards the drum kit and away from the guitars a little. He added that he and James had never really known how to place bass before. He says, I guess the bass guitar has always been the weird instrument in the band. It's always been overlooked because Cliff was always on Planet Nine. He says, I mean, there were always times when me and James would try and get Cliff to adapt his playing a little differently, but Cliff was Cliff and he just did it in his own way. And that was that. Agreed. That's pretty cool. Agreed. Agree to agree. Agree to agree. Who doesn't agree? But they are in a unique position where, and they and they did blow it. They did blow it on Justice in the sense of, they've got Jason in, who is a completely capable bass player. Yes, yeah. And they really, and, and who, unlike he's saying like Cliff, would be, maybe be a little more open to suggestion. Right. Whereas Cliff's like, fuck it, man. Yeah. No fucking way. I'm James like, like, uh, Cliff, you think maybe, um, and no big deal if, if the answer's no, but uh, do you think maybe you could get like a bullet belt? And Cliff's like, there's no fucking way I'm wearing a fucking bullet belt, dude. Maybe uh, Lose the Bell Bottoms? No, not happening. Never. Never. Do you think maybe you get a leather jacket instead of the denim one you wear every day? Absolutely not. Anything else? I mean, this is the dude who, when they asked him to be in their band, said, I'll be in the band if you move to San Francisco. And they did. And then they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they got a guy like Jason, who's a huge fan, obviously a huge, you know, like, loved Cliff. Big Cliff fan, yeah. And was kind of willing to do whatever they wanted, and they they did blow it. I mean, they didn't even show up when he recorded his parts. Fleming didn't even show up. Just Jason, the engineer. So now they're saying they got Bob Rock. They wanted him to mix it. He wants to produce it. It's a good opportunity to really fucking make up for that. And I think they did.
1: Oh, yeah. For sure they did.
2: Are we getting a little sleepy?
1: is a a sleepy t- it's been a long day t-
2: It has been a long, day. I, yeah, a long day I know a lot's going on
1: Yeah, a lot's going on uh, personally And we also recorded basically two episodes earlier
2: Yeah, we have done a lot of Metal of Your Podcast This is our work third today. episode of, recorded today You know what might be a little pick-me-up? Is if we go visit Joyce, the Joyces. Are they around? Joyce Joyce? Paul, is Joyce Hello? Hi, the honey's the honey's honeys a colonist. Who's there? Okay, well, uh, we're here's what we're gonna do. Me and Ethan are gonna step outside, and uh, we're gonna let Joyce's do a little segment called Joyce Reads Misconnections. I love this one. Oh, hello. Honey, How, it's been a minute. It's been a minute? How are you? As Aaron Lewis famously said in the hit song, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. I love that line. It's a great line. You know, it's so simple. It's the simplest ones that hit the hot pull the heartstrings the hardest. Well, I'm glad we're here because I just was so
1: excited. Uh, I was on Craigslist earlier. Oh, honey, I... I love Craigslist Cra- I, you can buy things you can read things you can get services it, 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 everything you need is on Craigslist I read
2: it all the time and I think who writes who does
1: this Who writes these things who are these people but There are neighbors it, but it's helpful.
2: There are neighbors, there are our brothers, our sisters, our dogs. Our cats our cats are on there too there's even
1: people that that, that we can't connect with which is why we I read
2: connections, connections get lost the connections they're missed they're missed connections and we're here to read them do you want to lead us off with it? oh I'd love to by I the would. way this is, uh, it's me Joyce here with my dearest friend my best friend of all time Joyce uh, I appreciate that Joyce oh it's you're so welcome uh, honey you're welcome who- Joyce. <laughs> Who, who compliments you that much? It's so nice. Probably just me, honey.
1: All right. Well, this first one's from Washington, D.C. That's the District of Columbia for uh, the History Oh, where they pass all the buffs. laws and so
2: they wear the suits and So many size. laws over so there. So many laws, bylaws, etc. Well, this
1: person says, searching for the couple I met at, at Dogwood Falls Church. You were a sexy older couple and wanted a young Latin guy. Hot. We went back to your house and had an incredible time. I'm free tonight and looking. Here's the thing. You already went back to the house and you're still looking? It's not a misconnection. It's a
2: lost connection. It's not a misconnection. Just remember where they live and go there. Honey, drive there. Put it in your GPS. Go Go to them. Put it in your GPS. Here's what I love about it. They met at Dogwood Falls Church. Great church. It was a sexy older couple. And they wanted a young Latin guy. You meet at church. Christ comes into your life and brings you a nice Latin pool boy. I've been waiting all, my whole life for Christ to bring me a nice Latin boy for but sexy they, time. Then they go back to the house. You're already there. You're already... the connection isn't missed. It was not missed. You found. You your, made it. You missed. connected, honey. You connected. What can we say? I, I don't want to tell you. Moving on. This next one is from a. It's it, entitled "Beautiful Girl at Doghouse" on Labor Day Monday in Demumbrian. Oh, oh this is, is, Demumbrian is Street. Dem- Demumbrian's
1: a lovely road. This is a road in Nashville. My, you know, my second cousin
2: lives there. Uh, Patty. Oh, Patty's great. Oh, I, She's I love Patty. Sweetheart. She's a sweetheart. I love her to death. All right, this one, this misconnection. It's tragic. It says, uh, "You were a beautiful girl and had an Asian background." You were the large group of friends that came into the doghouse between 1.30 and 2.30 on a Monday. You had a peach-colored shirt with white shorts on and was standing by a table of a few guys. I meant to introduce myself and get your number, but we left before I had a chance. This is a long shot, but fine by me, Winky Face. Love the Winky Face. She had face. an Asian background. What is that mean? Who? Who says that? Who, who, what does that mean? I love the attention to the ethnicity. Is Is she from Thailand? Is she from North Korea? We don't know something. Russia is in Asia. Is she Russian? I read one time in a big book in the Britannica that Asia was the largest continent on the planet. Oh, it's huge. Other than Pangaea.
1: Pangaea. Do you know a lot about Pangaea? I want to go to Pangaea so bad.
2: I tried to take a boat there. It doesn't exist anymore, they told me. No, it's there. I know it's there. What's next, Joyce? Next one is searching for Charles E. This is in Nashville
1: again. Okay, That's where we live, honey. And then the next thing says, "Hide this posting." Who does
2: that? We're not going to hide it, honey. We need to oh, be able to see, read it. Well, we need to be able to see that We're going to find this misconnection. It says,
1: "We it said, it said we met on it takes two, Tennessee newspapers personals."
2: Oh, the personals. We
1: met on our first date at Daryl's and went to a hotel for dinner and drinks. We also met halfway at a Holiday Inn at Exit Forty Six, Columbia Exit, on a couple occasions. I know it's been several years since we've seen each other. But you were always—you've always been on my mind. I hope this ad finds you and finds you well. I would like to see you again.
2: Tea. Again, it's—it's—it's it's, it's not a misconnection; it's a lost connection. It's—it's
1: it's lost. Listen, you met on your first date. You went for dinner and drinks. You were at a Holiday Inn a couple times. They met
2: halfway, Joyce. Isn't that romantic? Uh, uh,
1: Joyce, listen—if m- you're at a Holiday Inn a couple times with somebody.
2: That's like a couple connections. It's a lost connection, not a. Mi- I think we need to redefine. You were already connected a couple times. Sometimes when I'm rub, when I'm rubbing Bengay on all my aches and sores and pains and oh, my feels on good. my back. It f- well, first of all, it feels good. Second of all, Loosens I yet. sometimes fall into. I slip into a daydream about what my romantic hero Ronaldo would do to me. And one of the top things of my fantasy is that Ronaldo would meet me halfway at the holiday inn listen a lot of a lot of sexy and romantic
1: things happen on exit 46 <laughs> You know this. I know this. Listen,
2: I'm who the doesn't Clint, know well, this? Who knows? hasn't done, who hasn't met halfway? Exit forty six is the one to go to. Now, listen, Joyce, you are going to love this. one. Jonathan Toombs from Hendersonville oh, says, "Love
1: him,
2: uh, Love him, love Hendersonville. A great, great place, Home great, Depot, great schools up there, great lamps in the lamp section of the Home love Depot. It.
1: You know, uh, you know, uh, Clint Nathan's friend Nathan Thomas lives up there. Nathan, Wait. he
2: mixed the cover of with Black Yay, in Volume he, One. He makes
1: sounds sound
2: better." Oh, I love to hear that Clint what does Wells like, singing. Sound
1: sounding better.
2: I'm going to be honest with you. I, I draw a long bath. I put a bunch of bubbles in it. Mm, and I put a bath I, bomb. I when I and I listen to Clint that Clint Wells singing The Unnamed Feeling. Oh, it's, it's a song about depression and other things and that. But it sounds so different. But he sounds so tortured. I just want to do things to him. Oh god. You and me both Maybe choice. what Jonathan Toombs wants to do from Hendersonville. He says, does anybody know Jonathan Toombs from Hendersonville? I don't know him, but I'd like to. Just tell him I said he looked hot in his mugshot. I am female and attractive. Listen, honey. I'm often drawn to convicts. Listen, a mugshot? Who, who does this? Who, who does this? Who takes a sexy mugshot, first of all? You see a criminal in a mugshot, and you think he's a criminal. But sometimes it catches you, and you you, you get you feel something downstairs you haven't felt in 30 years. Not at since least, Franklin died. At
1: least with someone who has a mugshot, you know they're in jail, they're not going anywhere.
2: They're not afraid of commitment, honey. They're going to be there for oh, years. Oh, they're committing to bars. To to the bars, Yes. There's a little more in on this one. Oh, oh, Forgive me. Please do not respond unless you know him and can prove it. If you're replying about him, I'm not interested. Wow. Well, this is a woman who knows what she wants. She wants a convict, and she wants to know that you know that you know Jonathan Toombs. Jonathan, if you're listening in, in in the in the in the in your cell, just
1: reach out to the Joyces. We'll co- oh, we'll I connect like,
2: you. Oh, I like to think of Jonathan Toombs in his cell. He had a little radio flyer radio smuggled in in someone's butthole. <laughs> oh, amazing. Probably a drug mule.
0: Oh, for
1: sure. For sure. All right, this next one, stunning redhead. I have tickets. What does this mean? Who says this?
2: Tickets to what, honey? This is
1: in Murfreesboro. And then it says, hide this posting. Why would you hide it? Don't hide it. It's Old Fort Parkway at Thompson Lane. I know Thompson Lane. Beautiful street. Lovely. Fiery locks of hair swept down, flirtatiously framing your ivory face. Wow. It's like fire. That's like reading Shakespearean poetry. It really is. Uh, I did not see the color of your eyes. Don't sell yourself short. If this sounds like you, contact me as soon as possible. I have tickets to the Bluebird Cafe Sunday evening, the 9th. That's coming up soon. That's coming up like tomorrow. Oh, my God. It's so soon. Maybe I'll
2: call this person. And I would be honored if you'd join me. Well, listen, honey. Nothing more romantic than the Bluebird Cafe listening to a bunch of washed out songwriters. Well, it's also hard to get in there because it's it's just so It's popular. always packed, honey. Remember
1: the show Nashville?
2: I, I live for it. It
1: made that place so popular.
2: I live for it. All the I never go miss go my there.
1: stories. All right, lastly. Oh, this next one is so good. It's one of, it's one of the most romantic places to
2: have a, a beautiful dinner by candlelight. I totally agree. Here's the subject. You worked at Corky's Barbecue. This is in Brentwood, Tennessee. This is for the woman that worked at Corky's Barbecue in Brentwood, or worked there three years ago around Christmas time. We met, and I brought you to my place after we had lunch at a bar in Bellevue on Highway Seventy. Then we went to your place and had fun together. We also went to Tunica, Mississippi, oh, and stayed overnight at the Gold Strike.
1: Oh, good! You know, you know, great gambling down there. I made I made like twenty
2: five dollars when I went the last time. They go on to say you dressed in a hot Mrs. Claus Santa outfit. I would oh, enjoy. Oh ho. ho see what kind of presents she brings i have a feeling that narrows it down quite a bit
1: you're dressed in a hot miss santa claus well let's see santa claus and highway 70 i mean it's a no brainer this is sheila
2: oh tunica mississippi mrs claus it's 70 i would enjoy getting together again if you read this and you're interested please contact me via the nashville miss connections craigslist ad so many miss connections i hope they find love who does this? Who goes who, through life without love? Who doesn't love love? I love love. Who does? That? I love love. Who does that? I love my dog Valentino, and oh, I love your dog. So I love cute. your
1: dog Lucius. Oh, Lucius is great, but Antonio is my favorite cat. Antonio is quite the quite the catnip. Well, thank you. Listen, thank you guys, and thank you to Clint Eastwood for letting us listen. Talk they're going to come bit. back
2: in. They're going to talk about 1991 again. Oy vey, Metallica this, Metallica that. I'm off to bed. I'm exhausted. Oh, I got. I got I to gotta sleep. I, I got to get my seven hours. All right. Good night, Joyce. Good night, Joyce. Wow. So good. The Joyce's. To hear from the Joyce's. The Joyce's coming in hot tonight. They were coming in hot. Yeah, they were. They were coming in hot. These misconnections, they, they act like it doesn't, but I think it gets them kind of feeling feeling fiery in the loinage area. I think so, yeah. I think it's just- <laughs> is, that, uh, is
1: that bad to say? No, it's not bad to say. I think it's- uh-huh. Listen, it's one of those things, you read these things, you might be committed to a relationship, you might be single, Whatever. You read these things and you, you feel the, ro- the, the romanticism of it. You see that someone is reaching out to somebody else they haven't seen in three years. And Highway 70 is, is like, you know, that's where they, they need to meet again. You know?
2: Underneath the so romantic. stark so, existential meaninglessness and depression of these ads, yeah, it's a little bit of romance. There is, yeah. Because you know what? <clears throat> They're taking a shot. It might end
1: up like Romeo and Juliet, where they both just kind of <laughs> kill themselves. But no one knows. And you won't know until you go to Highway 70. <laughs> to, to the to the Golden Strike, you have to. Got the Golden in Tunica. I've been there. It's a great uh, place. Uh, you live there. It's a beautiful place. We're actually in this is HQ um, seventeen <laughs> in Tunica, Mississippi.
2: <laughs> now, for those of you who are like, "Where's the Metallica talk?" You what fuckheads. The fuck, man? We got a little treat for you. Now, I've mentioned before that Bob Rock, who was in demand at the time, he was no schlub. Sonic Temple. Dr. Feel Good, big old, big, big, biggie, big records. And when the Metallica boys said, we want you to make our next record, he said, come on to Vancouver. They said, uh, how about, no. How about, uh, how about, you come down to Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And he was like, I don't know, people usually come to me. And then he came, and the song that turned it all around, according to legend, is he heard what he would go on to refer to as the cashmere of the 90s, and he heard the demo of Sabbath True, and we're going to play that for you motherfuckers. In full. Right now. Let's we'll listen to the whole thing. Here we go. Here we go. I'm down you, it's it, it's not black album but you can hear with the power and that's what Bob Rock heard as that, a producer he that's heard, why they hired Bob Rock he heard what well, and I think that's why he said I want the gig yeah because I think he was like I hear what this song can be I'll he, come yeah. down to LA he heard the potential he heard what it could become he listened to that
1: riff and he was just like oh my god this could be huge this could be not that Bob Rock would have predicted this but this is what became do you want heavy right Metallica gives right. you heavy. A huge live I staple. Mean, yes.
2: And, a, and, a, and as many times as we've all heard it, one of the most exciting moments live. Of course, yeah. And I loved, especially in the late 90s, they were playing it so slow, dude. Oh, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. I wish they played that slow, dude. Getting yeah. kind of doomy on it. Real doomy. Now, of course, this was in October of uh, 1990. Now we fast forward to June 16th, is when recording for the Black Album was officially done. Whew, and this is when things start to move fast. So, so basically, tours are coming up, release dates have been set. Shit's about to start moving really fast for them. July third, they shoot the Inner Sandman video with Wayne Isham, Isham, and uh, they collaborate on various ideas of what gave them all nightmares. We've talked about that in our videos, episode one. Yes, one. We did uh, one the video the one and the then, song and then one. Black Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, July seventh. They finally complete mixing for the record. Yay. The album is rumored to have been completely remixed three times. I don't doubt it. With the amount of time they spent recording it, I don't doubt that. And that's what just again goes into they just really wanted to do it right. Yeah. They they had the money, they had the time, Yep, they knew they had the material and they knew that the timing was right. It's surprising after this whole process of like spending like a year on this record.
1: Three remixes Mm. that Bob Rock was like, sure I'll do a load reload double
2: album. Sounds good. And then he went on to have some of their biggest hits with that too. I mean Fuel and Memory Remains. Right. Yeah. They won another Grammy with better than you and you know, and then he went on to Garage Inc. and which won a Grammy for whiskey. I mean he had a really accolade heavy
1: eleven year career with
2: Metallica. I mean fuck, St. Anger won a Grammy. Yeah. Shit. Saint Grammy. Saint something. Now, moving right along here, Uh I did find this interesting. Bob Rock said that when the album was done, like they had their kind of last day, right? Where they were like, wow, we we really are done. And it's they done. Wa- they walked to a sort of neighborhood bar to sort of have a celebratory drink. And he said that they were so tired that they didn't even talk to you. They, <laughs> they just drank in silence, They're which like, I've no. definitely been there on, oh, a, yeah. on a work day. But it's this interesting thing, like, that record really did take so much brain power and energy and blood and sweat and tears. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That I'm sure when they were done, they knew it was going to be this thing, but they were too tired to even cheers each other. Like, right. they were like fuck, it really like, was leave tiring. me alone. I just want to drink this. July 10th, mastering is completed at Sterling Sound in New York, which is a really famous mastering house. We've talked at length about the differences between mixing and mastering. Hopefully you guys have been paying attention because we will be quizzing you later on that. July 29th, Inner Sandman releases a single, which included the rough mix of Holier Than Thou and also Stone Cold Crazy, which had won the Grammy. Right. Pretty good little single package. Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, July 30th, the day after that, the Inner Sandman video premieres, which was, it's nice. It's their first time with Wayne Isham. Isham. And we we now know (laughs) all the stuff he would go on to do, uh, cunning stunts and I Disappear. Yeah. you know all the other videos this was a big deal though back then I remember watching this video
1: like premiere like on MTV I don't think I remember it premiering world premiere video by Metallica and it was and it was you know like it was a great first single absolutely I was not the kind of guy that was like it's not thrash only because I only got into Metallica like two years prior three years prior right Um, it was heavy it was scary the strobe light the old man the semi truck destroying the bed with the kid running away
2: And the snakes. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, it
1: was great. I loved it.
2: I mean, this is a really kind of exciting time, dude. I mean, think about it. very. They shoot the video July 3rd. July 7th, the mix is done. July 10th, it's mastered. The 29th, the single comes out. The 30th, the video comes out. And then August 3rd, there was the massive uh, Black Album Listening Party at Madison Square Garden where they... You know, they sold it out. They packed it out and just played the record. So they packed the it record. out and then just played the record and the band yeah. was there and kind of like went on stage. And I think at that time they hadn't even played the garden and Lars kind of famously said, our record played the garden before we did. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which for those of you who don't know, Mass Square Garden, is, it's just kind of a standard arena, you know? It's, but it's legendary. This it, one. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. It's very but legendary. It, it's, it's like one
1: of those spots that if you're a band and, you know, you've achieved the success where you can sell arenas and you play MSG...
2: It's a big deal, and Metallica is a kind of band now that would do multiple nights at a place like MSG. You know, oh yeah, for New sure. New York is a huge market. That's such a great venue. But if you didn't know, you might because you hear Madison Square Garden so often. It's like Red Rocks. People don't. I don't think under know that Red Rocks is really just like seven thousand people, eight thousand. It's it's, it's, it's it's such a memorable venue, and but but if but it's so, it's so memorable and yes. unique and stuff that you might assume it's like. The gorge, which is thirty thousand, right? Yeah. Whereas Red Rocks is actually kind of small.
1: Yeah, it's not that it's not that huge, but I mean, God, if there's if there's a day in my future that I could play there as a Solaris, and like, I mean, it's like a dream. It's a dream come true. Yeah, I'd probably end that show in tears. You know, much like the uh, gorge or the Ryman here in Nashville, something like that.
2: So August tenth. So that's August third. August tenth, just seven days later. Uh, the boys start the. European Monsters of Rock tour I actually got to say Even before the listening party uh, August 1st and 2nd They did two kind of Warm up shows At the Phoenix Theater In Petaluma, California Which I found interesting Because they they basically Went on this huge Monsters of Rock tour Right, yeah With ACDC, Pantera Queensryche Yeah And this is where The Moscow thing takes place But they did these two Warm up shows in Petaluma They only debuted Inner Sandman and True. So the record's about to come out They've been yeah. making it For 10 months Yeah They only played those two songs. I thought that was interesting. They didn't play, you know, Unforgiven or Holier Than Thou or even Struggle. They've been a little bit nervous too. Like, okay, like, no one's heard these songs yet. Let's just play two of them.
1: We'll play Sabbat because it's fucking heavy. I understand that because it's a single. Um,
2: But the rest was, you know, Justice and Prior. Right. You know? Well, okay. So they go on to do this uh, European Monsters of Rock tour. As mentioned, ACDC, Metallica, Pantera, Motley Crue, Black Crows. And the tour ended on September 28th with the historic show in Moscow at the Tushino Airfield, described as the first free outdoor Western rock concert in Soviet history. The conservative estimates say that there were 150 to 500,000 people in attendance, unofficial accounts, because it was a free show. Yeah say that there were 1.6 million people there. If you've seen the footage of the show, it kind of looks like 1.6 million. It's endless.
1: It, it is endless. endless. It's crazy. You watch the show and like the, the camera angles from the stage looking out to the crowd, it's like when you we, if you've been to the ocean, have you heard of the ocean, Pacific Funny, you the Pacific the Indian ocean? Black, uh, there's so many of them. I've um, heard of the ocean. You, you know, you can't see the end of the... Her- There's the horizon. You can't see where it goes after that. The curvature of the earth and such. This was the curvature of Russia, and you could not see the end of people. It keeps going and going and going. And this is before the Black Album even came out. Yes. If you haven't watched that footage, just hop on old YouTube or something and look it up. Moscow 91. It's unbelievable. I mean,
2: Moscow 91, it's off the top of my head. Spitball in here. Do it. There's free ball in here. No underwear. Freeball Um top five metallica performance i mean the, the antarctica show oh yeah uh nemes historic 2000 year old coliseum yeah but moscow 91 is it might even be the That's most huge important show they've ever done it's probably the biggest crowd they've ever well, played it's also for. the
1: first free outdoor western concert in soviet history right like it's,
2: it's historically it's significant historical. even beyond metallica right exactly. and acdc headlined that yeah um but of course, listeners of our show will, of course, have the Moscow, the imagery of them playing Harvester of Sorrow, and it's emblazoned in. Yeah. You know, the way the boys looked. Yep. James outstretching his arms, doing the power stance. Oh, so good. So good. You know, I mean, it's amazing. Now, August 12th, uh, while they're on this tour. So I guess, yeah, so by September 28th, the record had come out. So. That makes sense. Uh, So the record came out like a couple days into this Monsters of Rock tour. So by the time they played Moscow, the record was out. Yeah, it was out. But they released the Black Album August twelfth. Debuts at number one. Immediately referred to as a Black Album. Although there were rumblings in the camp that they were going to refer to it as the Snake Album. So glad they did not do that. Yeah, Black Album is that'd be weird.
1: Hey, we're Metallica, and this is our new record, the Snake Album. Get
2: it? There's a coiled snake on it. Can
1: you get it? There's, There's an image of a snake on there.
2: Now, I wanted to maybe camp out this for a second because you and I are, because we're children of the 90s, are astute in this. Now, 43 days after the Black Album is released, on September 24th, Nevermind by Nirvana was released. Mm. This is, of course, the same year that Pearl Jam released 10, Soundgarden released Super Unknown, uh, or Bad, really been, Bad, Bad Mod- Motor Finger, yeah. uh, U2 with Octune Baby. The the death of metal huge year for music it was huge insane. year for music but a huge um, sort of huge shift in music it really was the end of a lot of eighties ish stuff well, this is
1: I mean like Nirvana is often credited you know when Nevermind came out and Smells Like Teen Spirit was like the big single on the radio that it put an end to the glam rock era right although I do I do believe that I do believe that they, that was probably one of the biggest things to happen. At that time, to end a whole genre of music, it was that in addition to the Black Album, in addition to Soundgarden, you know, it was in Pearl Jam. It was huge. That era, I remember. I remember hearing Ten. I remember hearing Smells Like Teen Spirit on the radio on K Rock for the first time, mm-hmm. doing homework in '91, my eighth grade year, and hearing Smells Like Teen Spirit, and it was like, "What the hell is this?"
2: I just think Metallica was their decision to move away from, and justice for all, to move away from heavy metal. Right. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Was so prescient in that when Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all the like came to dethrone those bands, the Motley Crue's, the Poisons, Mm -hmm. the the fucking Cinderella's, the Warrants, all the bullshit. Yeah. Metallica was already ahead. They'd already written, recorded an album that could withstand that, that, that could stand alongside a 10 or a never Mm -hmm. mind,
1: And all those records, all those records sound so different from each other. Yeah. Way different. But they all somehow work together because they were not this
2: in the 80s. They were not this. There was definitely a a, makeup. y sound like there's definitely a backlash to that shit. People got real tired of that shit.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it lasted for
2: for almost 10 years and it was so over the top. Now, having said that people also got real tired of the whole grunge rock bullshit thing too. I mean, that shit didn't last either. There, no, there's hardly anyone standing from that. Pearl Jam, maybe, but Pearl, well, there's no, there's no one standing because I mean, now
1: yeah, before, but even before but, but Chris you, Corn, before Chris Cornell died, mm-hmm. th- they were still touring, but they weren't selling out arenas and stadiums like Pearl Jam.
2: They it could be argued that the the re the rekindled Soundgarden. Was this nostalgia no longer relevant, no longer culturally relevant? Now, Audio Slave was, but Audio Slave wasn't grunge, you know. No, no, no. And neither really was sound. I mean, it, it all gets real complicated. But grunge is a weird term. Maybe we can do a whole episode on what grunge is. But, but, but like- the Pumpkins didn't last. I know they're touring now, and apparently yeah, they haven't. He, well, they haven't stopped touring. Apparently, well, he went and did that Swan thing. He did one for a while, yeah, but I mean, there wasn't a But l- they faded out of cultural importance. They did. So did STP, so did Alice in Chains, and of course Lane died, Kurt killed himself. Right. Now we don't have Chris, Scott's gone. Like yeah. these people are gone, but even before some of them passed away, you know, Pearl Jam really is the only band that kind of has held on and been oh, God, a constant. I mean, very constant and huge. I mean, they But they but but, but if you're a 10 purist, you're going to hate No Code. And if you're a 10 purist, you're going to hate the shit they're doing now. The shit I, they're doing now is more like more akin to like 70s corporate rock almost. Yeah. You I, know what I, I mean? mean I,
1: feel like, I feel like they're one of those bands, though, that like, let's say 80% of their fans like all the shit. Yeah. You know? Yes. Like, to me, like, they haven't made a sane anger. Maybe maybe, do maybe a 10 purist they have, but the majority of people are like, I like everything they put out.
2: No, they don't. They don't have as quite a, a big stinker as St. or Lulu. Right. You know? But I, I
1: don't know. I still think, though, like, yeah, the, the, a lot of those bands didn't maintain the status they came out with and got huge off of. But
2: you can still listen to all those records, and they still sound great. Great performances, great production. Yeah, but I think you can listen to a Def Leppard record, and it sounds great. I mean, the Mutt laying Def Leppard shit. Sure. I'm just saying, it's interesting that what... I think that's more dated sounding than... The grunge era that we're talking about. I don't know, man. It's pretty dated. Dude, if I listen to, that's why they did a whole remix of it.
1: If I listen, see, I didn't prefer the remix. I don't like it either. Redux,
2: but I, I, I agree. I don't like it either. But I, I relegate that to nostalgia for me. Yeah. Because just for me to hear, um, you know, oceans with less reverb. Yeah. It may be the better decision as a producer or something. But I've heard the original Oceans mm-hmm. my whole life. Yeah. So to hear it remixed is just, it's too late. Right. But if you listen to Super Unknown today, or
1: Ama- Nevermind, a- amazing. Or Dirt, ugh. It's still, you're proving the sonically point. You sounds me. amazing. You win. Now, if I you see listen, so so let's say this. You're a- right. After that stuff started to kind of fade out a little bit, you had the boy band thing happening, you had the rap rock new thing metal. Happening, new metal. Although I, I have a special place in my heart for some System of a Down stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even some corn riffs. I don't mm. love corn, but there's some good stuff in there. Those records to me don't hold up as well as a super unknown. Yeah, I agree.
2: Um, I'm with you. I don't know. Anyways. No, I'm with you. Back to Metallica. I guess the uh, the overarching idea that I think is makes me so proud of the boys is that those bands that made all those really important records the same year the Black Album came out, and, and destroyed a whole genre of music. Right. They didn't take down Metallica, and the Black Album's commercial viability is a big part of it. Oh, the Black Album was a whole other sport. They're trendsetters. You know I mean, I mean they, they're they forerunners. Yes. Pilgrims, if you will. Pilgrims! Patriots! Strangers in a strange
0: land.
2: <laughs> Good God. All right, September 5th, Metallica performs Inner Sandman at MTV, VMAs in Universal City. Let's God. just hear a little bit of that. I love this performance. I do too.
0: Metallica!
1: There's, uh, there's A lot still, of
2: swagger A lot of confidence A
1: lot of swagger, confidence There's still a lot of angst In this performance Yes I think it's way more angsty Than the actual recording mm. It might have been That they were nervous Hetfield uh,
2: He gets a little uh, Squeaky on some notes Which Yeah I'm fine with Whatever um, If you've ever performed On TV Or in a high stakes environment Oh uh, that's nerve wracking you, you sort of automatically uh, Make caveats For those moments Because Yeah That's just human being shit We I, all know he can sing And perform Yes Yeah so none of that, that stuff too, just man. Like falls you, away. You know, you get on
1: one of those shows, especially a, a, a award show like this. Performances are happening like back, back to back to back. They're, They're like, stacked, so stacked. And like you know, you'll you'll be sitting backstage, and all of a sudden it's like five minutes. You're like, oh shit, and you get it in your positions. and It's like two minutes, and it's like fuck. Is my guitar working? Like it's so stressful. I did the, the Tonight Show one time years ago with my Alabama line K, uh, when Jay Lennon was still hosting, and. I was chilling backstage, hanging out with my wife and the guys in the band, some friends, and some stage manager comes in and was like, all oh, right, we're like, hey, three minutes, three minutes, and I was like, and I immediately just panicked. I was like, fuck. I know the song we're playing. I have played it a million times, but it was still nerve-wracking, so even Metallica, at this point, they've played to millions and millions of fans, but this was their, what,
2: second TV performance? And they're also, especially with the whole, you know, Playing, performing one at the Grammys that they lost to—that was one of the first years they had that category. Yeah. So they also know that they're sort of almost ambassadors for heavy music. Sure. Yeah. Of course. So, it, it, so for them, and maybe for the band you played in too, I don't know as much about that, but for them, it was more. We than, were ambassadors of metal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, for them, it was more than we're just going to play a song we like from our new record. For them, it it had a lot of charged up, other c- sort of contextual shit. We're going to come out and prove something too. It, it was about proving shit. And about keeping stuff pure, but also knowing that they're going to have to lose fans or bring, have to drag fans mm-hmm. with them into this new Metallica yeah. era, oh, which yeah. they did. Yeah. They lost some along the way. They knew by agreeing to doing this show that they were like,
1: the single's out, the record's out, but we're going to play this thing and we're going to lose a lot of fans
2: from it. But we're also going to gain a shitload of I more. think they knew that the path was ahead. And... You know, I actually have this really great quote. uh, Speaking of like, they're going to lose some people. Right? Oh, they're not a heavy metal band. This is a—it's a decent hard rock record. Um, Come on. I agree with the come on. Um, Come on, Eileen. Now this is a really great quote from Jason. Okay. And Jason, I, I feel like you know, we obviously it's all we have now is a lot of hindsight. Um, re-evaluation of a lot of Jason's role in the band, a lot of shit he said in interviews, of course, his three writing credits. Yeah. You know, he's not with us anymore and hasn't been for a while, so we just sort of- Well, he's still with us. Well, I mean, like, with us in the band. He's alive. He's not really a part of the the life of the band anymore. Right. But he had a great balance of, like, he could really, like, stick it to someone while also being respectful. Mm Mm-hmm. He, he, he kind of tread that's that. A, that's a gift. Now, he's talking about people who may think they've sold out or they're too soft or they, yeah. they're too commercial. This is him responding to that. He says, uh, this was in the press, too. He says, I can appreciate the people who want us only to go fast. If you dig those bands, please buy their records and see their shows so we can keep that stuff alive. But don't disrespect the people who paved the way and broke down the doors for so many of the groups you enjoy now. He says, one of the bands that played a big part of that was Metallica. We're the guys that wrote Damage Inc., Fight Fire With Fire, and Whiplash. You name it, we helped invent it. And we can still play it better than anyone. I'll go up against any death metal band, pound for pound, hour for hour. We'll crush them. I have great respect for them, but those are the facts. He is our hero, And he's dude. also
1: talking about songs that he didn't play on.
2: Yeah, well, he's, he's a fan. He's of
1: this as a fan. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, every song he just mentioned are songs that predate him. I mean, right, exactly. Of course, Damage, Ink, Fire, Fire, Whiplash, that's all yeah. that's all. puppets in earlier. Right. And he's basically saying, the band I'm in now invented this f- speed thrash shit. And so, that's fine if you like the faster awesome. stuff, buy the records, we want to keep that music alive, but don't disrespect the people who invented this shit that you're being a purist right. about. Yeah, totally. Man, that... <laughs> God, new stat My heart swells for that dude. Oh man. My heart swells for you.
1: And will always swell for you.
2: Man. That's just that's it's hard to fuck with that's that. Some heavy man. shit. I might tattoo that on my body. It's just good sauce, man. Yeah, it's great. Because it's it's that really great balance of confidence and like group ego without coming off like a douchebag. Yeah, and that's hard. To, that is a believe Very me. Earned, yeah. That is a balance I'm still struggling to yeah. achieve. Oh yeah. All right. Now, what's interesting is from October 12th through December 31st, we basically have the first in earnest touring leg that would go on to be three years of touring. The wherever we may roam tour started October 12th, and this was the first time that the band incorporated the diamond shaped section of the stage, so dubbed the Snake Pit. The Snake Pit. Which, by the way, a little aside, thank you once again to my friend Brad Blazik for inviting me to the Snake Pit in Mm. St. Louis and uh, giving me the gift of the best concert experience of my life. Yeah. Uh, The tour started in Oakland, went on to Peoria, Madison, Auburn Hills, Milwaukee, Des Moines, Minneapolis, Duluth, Cedar Rapids, and the boys went up to Canada for a bit. I won't name all these shows. Why should I name them all? (laughs) <laughs> you can but yeah. they did in the tour which must have been a fucking barn burner show new year's eve 1991 tokyo dome in japan god fuck um yeah you know, those dudes are going crazy oh yeah they, that was probably a real fun night for a lot of people for sure
1: yeah absolutely i mean tokyo is I've, I've played there and it's amazing it's, it's an incredible country sorry city in an incredible country amazing fans they are devout and excited um, also, interesting thing—I don't know if Metallica experienced it, this at the time. Japanese fans will go crazy while you're playing, and the second you're in between songs, they get
2: quiet because well, they the want to hear. Thing.
1: Yeah, this respect, and they want to hear what you have to say. So yeah. I, I'm wondering if uh, Metallica experienced that back then.
2: I'm sure they did.
1: Like ah, damn Jake! I don't understand, man.
2: Sabotage. All right, we know that song. Shh, shh, shh. But what's cool is, you know, at this point, there are no strangers to Japan. You know, like one of Jason's. Oh, no, Yeah. One of Jason's, you know, when Cliff passed away, his first tour was Japan. Uh, well, yeah, he did the kind of the warm up shows opening for Metal Church, but right, yeah, like they, the you know, they rescheduled the rest of their European tour. But the one thing that the management was kind of like, look, we can't really not do this run of shows was the Japan shows. Yeah, oh yeah, Budokan and shit. So, oh yeah, it's interesting to think that at this time they were like had already been rocking Japan. Mm-hmm. But at this well, point, the, I mean, they're... they're. But this is, the big, it is a big deal, this is the, yeah. This is the big leagues here, yeah. While they're on this tour, October 28th, the Unforgiven Singles released, and the B-sides of that, of course, included recordings of Sweet Savage's Killing Time and the Anti-Nowhere League So What. November 19th, the Unforgiven music video premieres, and that's kind of the last of it. I mean, basically, the rest of the year and the rest of uh, almost all of 1992 is touring. It's touring, yeah which a record that powerful and that big you have to tour it that almost much. demands that kind of attention i don't know of another record or band that has a record that was able to be toured that long like maybe peter gabriel like the the so maybe yeah um, like with sledgehammer and stuff when Frampton they, did, they alive, did the secret world tour but yeah it, it was an era where like even kiss alive wasn't anything like that right. it wasn't 3 years kiss alive is 1975 yeah but I mean, this is an era where it's still pre-digital pre, uh, download era,
1: um, pre-streaming, all that stuff. Um, but it was also an exciting time because the glam rock thing was done. It was this whole new era of music with grunge, with Metallica changing their sound, um, having a wider audience. It just, it, it was a perfect storm. Perfect storm for and sure. for them to, you know, it, it was easy for them to tour for that long, like not physically, but like
2: it was a no brainer. Like we have to keep touring. This. Well, I remember one of them calling it the record that wouldn't go away because, yeah. you know, as soon as they finished, as soon as the unforgiven single ran its cycle, nothing else matters was a hit in Asia. So they had yeah. this time to go back to Asia. Wherever in Rome
1: became a hit. Was, and I,
2: mean, I think what probably happened is management and the boys sat down and said, look, we've got the kind of record that's going to change everything. Yeah. Are you willing to go do the work? Yeah. And of course they were. Yeah. And, I think it did cost some of the boys something. Yeah. As as Sacrifice all of it does. For sure, of course, yeah. But the Black Album is really just you can almost separate their whole deal into pre and post Black Album. It's it's that important. Mm-hmm. It changed everything Yeah. and not only for them but for music and metal and culture and Oh yeah. It's kind of hard to overstate that, although I do think I am getting close to overstating it. I mean, even if you're like a an old school true,
1: and you checked out after Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. You may not like the Black album, but you can't deny the facts that it is one of the, if not the biggest metal record of all time. It's in the top ten of best selling records of all time. Right. Um, the songs are great. The production's great. The performances are great. Yeah, and maybe it's not what you wanted, you know, because you love Justice or Puppets.
2: But God, give it another chance. I mean. Well, even Joel McIver, who is not a dude who really loved the Black Album. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's he's very, um, he seems very dispassionate about very it. Very justice But he does say, uh, did Metallica, the, he, you know, he's calling it its actual name, which is self-titled Metallica. Yeah. But he basically, did the Black Album change the face of metal? He says, undoubtedly, but in context. Grunge was metal's grim reaper. The Black Album simply showed metal fans and metal bands... How to Survive Its Appearance. Wow. Good point. He says, did, did the Black Album bring metal to the masses? Yes. But what's more, it attracted the masses to metal. Mm-hmm. Its power should not be underestimated. Even today, some of the songs are unforgettable. And this is a dude who really didn't like it. Yeah. So it, it really makes me appreciate that. that. That to me seems like a very fair estimation of mm-hmm. what's going on. You and I, and many of our listeners, are fortunate... It's almost like you can't help what you do and don't like. I understand right, yeah. that. I can't help. I don't like pickles. My wife gives me shit about it playfully. But it's like, <laughs> look, don't you understand? My life would be so much easier if I liked pickles. Yeah. It's one less thing to worry about. Right. I just simply yeah. don't like them. I think you and I and many of our listeners are lucky that when we hear the Black Album, I hear a damn near flawless record. It's like ranch dressing, it, it goes good with everything. I mean, I don't see a lot to complain about. Some of the lyrics don't tread me are a little too jingoistic, sure. maybe. Struggle Within, not my favorite. That's it! I don't even skip it. Even, I still love it. Even our least favorite songs on the record are still incredible songs. <laughs> yeah. Incredible songs. And and I, t- I tend to, and I think I'll be this way the rest of my life, and I think you're this way also, because you yeah. just made a proper record right. that has a side A and a side B, and yep. you really cared about the sequence. I take it all as a whole anyway, so... If Struggle Within comes up on random, I might skip it. But if I'm like burning down the Black album or thinking about the Black album as a piece of music, there's no way I'm taking Struggle Within out of it. No. That's part of, of it. Of course not. Again, your least favorite song is still a kick ass song. It's still part of that fucking, you know, Leviathan.
1: Such a good era, man. Jeez. All right. Well, let's
2: let everyone get out of here. Yeah, there's 91. I'm yawning. You're Yanni. I'm Yanni. You have <gasps> I'm Yanni. You're Yanni. Do you know? I have a mustache now? This is like Vanilla Sky, and you're in like Lucid Dream. Do I have a mustache and a ponytail? You have a mustache and a ponytail, <gasps> and you're playing oh a penny. God. You're playing a a, a a penny whistle. Oh my god! That's and you're uh, a pan flute, but it's cool. I'll take it. It's a pan flute, and you're on a mountain. Yes, please. Is it the church where Slash played his solo? From? <laughs> it's the church from November Rain, right? Like, and then he like went off the cliff and stuff. But you're uh, on like a mountain. You're on the I Disappear Mesa. Yes, love it. And you're just singing I Disappear, but I'm, you're yawning. I'm so yawning. And you're playing it. I'm so you're yanny. going. You're going. <whistles> <whistles> you're doing that wah sound from I Disappear, but with a pan flute. <whistles> you're going, down. Hey, hey, hey. Here's my pan flute. Here's my my pan flute in my mouth. (laughs) I'll take it. I'm going to continue to be Yanni. Well, we sure do appreciate everyone out there who listens to your podcast. It's a really exciting time. We got a lot of fun shit coming up. Of course, our Cliff Burton interview, the 100th episode's coming up. I wish we were interviewing Cliff Burton. I'm not Cliff. Oh, Ray. (laughs) Okay, side note. I'm Yanni
1: now. You're Yanni. Earlier today, right before we started interviewing Ray Burton, Clint said, "I hope I don't call him Cliff." And I didn't. And you just did here, though. I didn't. Thank goodness in the interview. No, you were great during the interview, but just now you said, "Shit." I mean, if we can interview Cliff
2: Burton from Beyond the Grave, then great. If we can interview Cliff Burton, then literally none of this matters because we have solved the great if, mystery of death and life after death. If that happens, that will be the last episode of <laughs> my podcast. You can guarantee it. It's so Will be done. Well, we do have that coming up, and uh, you know we're going to continue this metal tales from the road series. Yeah, we're, totally. We're, it's that's quite a commitment that Ethan and I are trying to take on. Yeah, because the boys are playing sometimes four shows a week. So yeah, we're going to do a minimum one a week. I think we're going to try to really do that, do it proud, do yep. it right. Uh, go leave us the iTunes review if you think the show has value and you like it and you want to support us You might say hey instead of having a cup of coffee every month I'm gonna take have one less cup of coffee one and i'm gonna give five bucks to the uh, metal Liquid podcast boys to help the show and continue we to move it, forward. Yeah. That would be really great. If it's something you can't do. It's no problem We understand we're yeah. gonna be here for you every Monday regardless, of course, of course Who's not gonna be here Monday who does this the
1: choices will be we'll be here this Monday
2: We'll see you, of course, on all the socials. We hang out there every day—the Instagrams, mm-hmm. the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Friends, does the MySpace, the MyPal. My oh, love my pals! And uh, we really do love and appreciate you all. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. I do hope you have a good vacation, my friend. Thank you. I'm excited for it.
1: Uh, not to go into detail, but it's been a rough couple of days on a personal side with a with a close friend. And um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, get
2: out of town and yeah just disconnect for a couple days yeah good it. for you yeah good for you be sure to write in and mail up your podcast show at gmail.com if you have any queries or anything to say about Metallica yeah anything or
1: anything anything you want <laughs> concerns and good god let's get out of here I'm tired peace adios <laughs>
0: So what would you say, and then I would say, delete that.